Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. Today's someday. Friday, October 15th. I'm Carter. Uh, and yes, I'm still here. Sorry, we're late. Uh, I am joined by the lovely, behatted Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Carter. You're, so your baby's um, still not here. We have a lot of false alarms. I was just saying before the show, we have a lot of false alarms going on. But, you know, she just not ready to come out yet so <laughs> there we go she make um, a grand entrance that's right that's right <laughs> so yeah welcome if it's your first time to the show coffee break is a show that we do live every monday and friday at 11 a.m pacific we stream on youtube when they let us uh utreon and odyssey although i think odyssey might be dead this morning i was having trouble with it so i don't even know if we're on odyssey right now but we normally are um but you can always find us at unsafespace.com. That's the best way to go. Unsafespace.com slash live always has an embedded live stream. So does the front page. Um, so no matter where we are, we'll put some version of a, of a live stream there. So that's the best place to find us. Um, you can we support have, us. Um, no, go ahead. We have book no, club coming up on October 24th. Mm -hmm. If you've never joined before, you can. it's always free to join and uh, be a part of it. You can be on camera during the book discussion, or you can just be in the chat. And the book that we're doing October 24th is Texit. So we're doing nonfiction this month. If you uh, want to join, you still have time to read that book. It's not very long. We're going to be talking about secession and the history of secession. And I, I'm very excited about this one just because I don't, I haven't known a lot about it, and I felt uncomfortable having conversations about it. So, and then the next month we're doing Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. We're going back to fiction. So you can find out yeah. more at unsafespace.com on the book club page. Yeah, it should be awesome. Um, and while you're there, if you want to support us, you can support the show by buying merch. Uh, thank you to all the people who support us financially. We couldn't do the show without you. Uh, if you do support us financially, uh, basically at what the apostate level or above, you get your name in the credits somewhere. So you'll see that. I only update them. I used to update them once a week. It's probably once a month now. So I apologize, but uh, we'll do it more frequently in the future. And don't forget to vaccinate the subscribe button, jab it, whatever. Fortify the subscribe button. What's a good forcibly for? do it against its forcibly will mandate? Yeah, <laughs> we have a subscribe mandate on this show. Uh, you know, we don't you have to have the disunity if you would just hit the subscribe button, then we wouldn't have to force you. You forced so, us to force you. Yeah, I don't want to have to force you. But there you go. Also, uh, you can find us on Twitter, or at least the ghost of us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. Okay. We should introduce our guests, only one of whom is here yet. Do you want to do it, Carrie, or should I? Yeah, I, today I'm so excited to have uh, one of the founders, the, the people who run Myth Informed and the upcoming Better Discourse Conference, which is happening for the first time the, uh, in November 6th, happening for the first time in Texas. So if you are in Texas and you've always wanted to go to a Better Discourse Conference, but it's been too far away, now's the time to make that trip and come out. Um, Brian Edward, welcome. To the show. Wait, and now I put him on or should I? I'll do it. I thought Beverly <laughs> yeah. was doing it. So. Hi, hey, Brian. <laughs> it's good to be back. Like Carter, I, you guys are funny. That man mandatory subscribe. That that was that was good. I, I was laughing. Um, I, I still think about you all the time because I, I remember the last time we talked was about the um, the National Marriage Counselor, right? Like who would you want oh. as a National <laughs> Marriage Counselor? And, yeah. 
And and I said Marianne Williamson of all people. I can't remember what I you said for that. Carrie. Oh, I said it got yeah, to Carter and you go, I want a national divorce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now Carrie's reading Texit. So Yeah. Yeah. Flash forward. What a difference. Uh what it's been a year. What a difference a year makes. It, I know. And it when he said that, that national divorce, I was like, that's hilarious. It was so new. And now it's so in the consciousness. People are talking about it. I've seen Matt Walsh talk about it. It's all over Twitter. And it's like, it seems like even the left sort of agrees about a national divorce these days. But I Sarah I always Silverman? think of Carter. What? Sarah Silverman, did you see her? That's right. Oh. America or USA one and USA two. She wanted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I the thing is it's not like I think when people hear heard that originally they were like, "Oh, you want a divorce." And it's like, "No, it's not that I want one. It's that like there is a thing called irreconcilable differences and when you have a group of people who explicitly reject reason, <laughs> you can't talk to them anymore. There's literally nothing left to do. They they're like, "Well, we'll burn down your cities and fight you, but we're not talking." It's like I I guess we have nothing left at that point. So. That group, right? That there's certain like like the Antifa group or the ideological group. They they reject reason. But I think on the other side, you just you have an irreconcilable difference between say the the vaccine mandate crowd and the the non-vaccine mandate crowd. I mean, there's a logical yeah. like point of like, well, this is for safety. But you know, they're sacrificing safety for freedom, and so you just have a fundamental disagreement. I think. I think yeah. they're related, though, because I think that that other crowd, I think the fundamental relation is uh, that the thing you just kind of hit on, which is this mindset of should someone be in control and telling people what to do or should we be left alone? And uh, to me, that's been kind of the relevant fundamental divide to be paying attention to in politics for a long time. But most people instead are like focused on this or have been. I think it's starting to die, but they've been focused on this stupid like Democrat Republican thing, which is like, yes. And see, this is the mindset I was in when you asked that question, Brian. That's why I was thinking of a marriage counselor. I think I agreed with you on Marianne Williamson, or we both had a conversation. I can, you I liked her, definitely. I, I don't know if you liked I did her like her. Answer, but yeah. yeah. I and think she's kooky, but, but kind of like she's got a good heart somewhere down deep. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. But I, but I yeah. used to think- And the I difference the is, reason... by the way, just to be clear, I don't care what her heart is. Okay. <laughs> you guys are like, she's got a good heart somewhere down know, deep. Okay. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Look what she does. I'm done. So like, the reason like, I thought there could be a marriage counselor, though, was because I think I was thinking in terms of right and left at that time as being the most important yeah. um, way in which we were polarized. And it's not. I no longer believe that. And so if it were just a right left thing, which is I think so many people are still they're they're still thinking in that way. They're still there. So, for example, there's a book called um, Love Your Enemies, which I mentioned to Carter a lot. And I like that book. But he writes from a perspective of the division, the polarization being left and right. And so he misses a lot. And once you move over to this place I'm at now where I see the division more as what you're talking about, where it's, mm -hmm. it's more about people who believe they own themselves and people who believe the government owns us. And once I understood that, then I started to think, okay, yeah, we do need a separation. <laughs> like, I don't know how to, how do you marriage counsel that? That one's tough because you have a, a, two, a balancing of values. It's freedom versus security. And, and I, so their argument is logical in some ways. I just fundamentally disagree with it. I think that if you, that, I don't know if that quote was attributed to Ben Franklin, if it's real or not, but they said, you know, anyone that will um, give up 
liberty to gain a little security deserves neither and lose will lose both because that's I think what that happens security state correct. becomes totalitarian yeah yeah no i think you're right i think that attribution is correct i think the one that's in question is uh democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for dinner uh that one is misattributed to him i think but mm. i think the one you quoted is correct might be, uh, but uh, the concept, whoever said it, I think is sound. And that, that's, that's my concern is liberty. But then I think there's this other crowd of, well, that'll never happen here. Like this vaccine mandates. I always say, where, where's the limiting principle on this? Like, if you can mandate a vaccine, can you mandate camps? Like, you know, can you put people away? Can you mandate that you move somewhere else? Like, what's the limiting principle? And they're, oh, this, that'll never happen here. Really? Are you, are you sure? Like that's that's my fear is that if we can't define limiting principles of of what what liberties can't be tread upon, like yikes, that's my that's yeah. my weird. Yeah, and 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 we the thing is, we did try and define them in the Constitution, I think, mm -hmm. pretty well, but we just are really good at ignoring them. We are. Like, and democracy, yeah, yeah. like liberty, like, you know, like this whole 5149 democratic vote, like the whole point of federalism and, and checks and balances is that you don't have a tyranny of a small majority, that, that you need these broad, that gridlock's okay, that you need broad consensuses, huge super majorities in order to pass these laws. That makes sense. But yeah, this whole you know, why we should combine North Dakota and South Dakota. Have you seen that? So they only have like two senators instead of one. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I, this is why back when I voted, uh, Brian, I used to vote explicitly for gridlock. So like wherever I was living, I would be like, well, you know, like I, I would pay attention to, you know, or what was going on. Like, oh, is a Republican in charge? I need to vote for Democrats or Democrats in charge. I need to vote for Republicans. I wanted gridlock because I figured this was when I was not even really thinking too much in philosophical terms. I was just like, well, everything they do makes it worse. So it's better if they just don't do anything. Like yeah. right now is the best it's been. Or sorry, the best it will be <laughs> is right now. It's the worst it's been and it's the best it will be. So gridlock is great. Because every tinkering, yeah. What a, like I I sell products to neurosurgeons in um in my other career. And there's one, I'll never forget one, where I was trying to pitch a, a, a neurosurgeon on, on this product, this new product. And she, and I said, you know, it's 10% better this, 10% that. Then she, she looks at me, she gives me this dead stare and she goes, Brian, the enemy of good is better. <laughs> and I took that as a no. So, yeah. you know, like that when you try to improve something, like, and then later she told me, look, I'm not having problems with this. So I don't want to screw with my technique. She's like, if I was having big problems, then yeah, then I'm open to different solutions because things aren't working. But it's going okay right now, you know? Yeah, so that's why the, change it? That's the general rule in tech startups. Like if you come to an investor and like, oh, I have a solution for blah, blah, blah problem that's 10% better, they'll usually say like, we'll go away. Like mm -hmm. if it's not an order of magnitude improvement, it's going to be hard to sell. Yeah, right? and you, you um, have to be having problems because they're always thinking what could go wrong. So anytime you're thinking about implementing a policy, you should think, okay, what, what, what could I screw up if we, yeah. if we do this? And it's the same, that's the way neurosurgeons think. So sure. it seems smart to me. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But here we are. Uh... <laughs> I just wanted to pull up this, uh, just to go back to something you said earlier, Brian, about how, what comes after vaccine mandates, 
because if we allow this, mm. then what comes next? And we've already seen, I think, that escalation in the past year and a half where it was arbitrary lockdowns of businesses. OK, mass mandates. OK, now vaccine mandates. And uh, Jason, who helps us with social media on our show, he keeps pushing this uh, Supreme Court case in front of me that I need to be more familiar with. But he Buck versus Bell. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. So. I've noticed all the people who are supporting the vaccine mandate, they keep bringing up the Supreme Court case of Jacobson, where they had a vaccine mm-hmm. mandate in one state, and and they're like, see, there, there's precedent for this. And it's like, yeah, well, there's also precedent for like Dred Scott, like owning people. <laughs> That's but, right. <laughs> but Buck Bell, Buck Bell came after Jacobson, and it it built on Jacobson to to support forced sterilization. That's mm-hmm. in our history. That was only 1927. Yikes. You know, like hundred like less than hundred years ago. So for oh, civilization. The climate the climate crazies are talking about like not having kids. I could definitely see them embracing yes. them in the future. And China I did know. that, right? But we're yeah. not China, right? Right. Yet. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well that you know what you're bringing up this thing, Brian, where people say, like, well, that couldn't happen here. And I don't I don't understand. I guess I do. It's just kind of this, it's almost an arrogance of like, well, Americans are fundamentally different from the entire human race. It's like, well, no, I, I don't think we are. Like, it does happen everywhere, has happened lots of times in history in lots of similar circumstances. And here we are going, yeah, we're on the same road that everyone else has been on. And they always like, the road goes off the edge of a cliff, but we won't go off the edge of a cliff. Mm-hmm. We're just going to drive blindfolded because we're Americans. It's like, well, I don't, that's not a guarantee. The fact that you like your flag and the founding of the country is not a guarantee that we will not also do what many other you know, pseudo democracies have done in the past and turned into horrific dictatorships or and whatever. The American, like, what does it mean to be an American? Like, does that mean that you were born here? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's many immigrants that are pretty solid Americans. It's American values. But like you said, like, so there's so many people that look at the American flag. There was a TikTok going around. I, I think libs of TikTok put it out, but it was this teacher saying, you know, there was these people in our class complaining about Trump flags. And I thought, you know, what are we talking about? How's there a Trump flag? Who's bringing a Trump flag into the room? And it was an American flag. Wow. Right. So <laughs> that, that was being, you know, pushed as this, like, this is the Trump flag. So, you know, therefore you don't like that. And, that's really weird. I mean, the whole idea of the founding of the country, like, this is why we're having... my BDSM flag. Why is that not in the classroom? Yeah. I don't understand. But, but the point is, like, we need a national narrative badly. And in right now, you're seeing that separate. There used to be, you know, this idea between the right and the left that we're, you know, maybe the... Uh, we're, we're on the same... We both agree that we're going to get to A to B, but we have different ways of getting there. So it's the um, loyal opposition... You know, and this is what you need. And now it's it's the other side is the enemy. We don't have the same national narrative. Like the 1619 Project is a completely different narrative yes. than, you know, the Federalist Papers and what you've, the, the Founding Fathers narrative. That's a very totally, um, generous totally way to describe the 1619 Project. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally I, totally I didn't support the the kneeling. I wonder what you think about oh. that, because although it's it's within your right to kneel and, and to take a knee and not not. Um, participate in the Pledge of Allegiance or honoring the flag, that's within your right, absolutely. But do I think you should do it? No, because I think what you're doing is you're 
you're helping to destroy the fabric of what knits us all together, just no uh, matter our differences. I, That's yeah, what, I even, to me, I, I, I know you, okay, but let me just put, there are very few things that bring us together despite our tribalism. And I think all of those things, whether it's even sports, yeah. you can't even watch sports anymore without it becoming tribal. And I don't mean along uh, team lines, I, I mean along political lines. And so all those things I think have been the cultural things that have knit us together, they've, they're chipping away at those things. Oh yeah, and, that's, and the flag is now seen as like a Trump thing. What? No. At least in that in that particular case, for that teacher, and you know, it, whatever she was, um, but she. And there are some people that see this. I mean, you know, even Jonathan Haidt when he was talking about his like patriotism, that it he said the most patriotic he got was after like nine eleven. And this is where you saw in like an outburst of this national, like, you know, everyone got American flags, everyone was singing, you know, uh, God bless America and all that. He said he, for the first time, he put an American flag bumper sticker on his car, but he felt so weird about it because this was, he was very much on his kind of like left liberal stage at that point or whatever, whatever you want to call it. He, that he put it a, a, a UN flag next to it. And that's how he, he evened <laughs> it out. sure you knew. <laughs> Right. To, to do he this was a globalist career. at heart. It's, but, it's uncomfortable yeah. for some people to like get too nationalistic. And I get it. I get why that you can have hyper nationalism run away with itself. But um, so you yeah, you're just seeing that a lot more. It didn't used to be that you would see a lot of liberals are a lot of people on the left that are absolutely great with the American flag. I mean, look at look at Obama's 2008, all of his stuff. You see American flags everywhere. You don't see as many now like. You, you, the American flag on the Democratic, um, the convention, so you see a lot less of them. Yeah, but okay, so I, this is the, because Obama was one of the people I was going to cite when I bring it. So I noticed this with Obama. I noticed it's with George W., although more with Obama. Um, so let's just be, my, my concern is when we say, well, it stands for America and American values, everyone disagrees on what those are. And they are not, like the Pledge of Allegiance, I just pulled it up. It was written in 1892. In 1923, the words flag of the United States of America were added. In 1954, under God was added. Added. It's not the founding, and I don't like it because one should not pledge allegiance to a republic. That is a vile concept. You you plead, you can if you want to pledge allegiance to principles that it was built upon. Fine. I like oath. Like if you're going to serve in the military, and oath to the Constitution kind of makes sense, right? But pledging to the Republic. What the hell does that mean? It's like a, it's a pledge to the leadership. It's, it's vile. And, and, and the, the problem is, I think as vile as it is, people see it as the only positive America alternative to taking a knee. It's like, well, I don't want to take a knee and this thing is kind of pro America. So let's do the pledge. And it's like, the pledge doesn't represent us either. And politicians have been for a long time in our history, misrepresent what America, misrepresenting what American values are. If you listen, and Obama comes to mind the most for me. If you listen to his speech, it's a lot of tripe. Like we work hard and take care of each other and we have love and like, what the fuck is that? Those aren't unique values. Those are just like, what, people in China don't love each other and work hard? What are you talking about? Those aren't American values. Those are just like good people do some shit. Mm -hmm. That's not like, we have totally ruined. What he should say is, look, 
America fundamentally is built on distrust of government and individual rights. That's an American value. That's what separates us from the rest of the world. That's what makes us different. And that what is that is what's made us so successful. That's an American value. That's what it means to be American. Not you work hard or care about your neighbor or you're generous or fuck that. That's not American. That might be human and it might be nice, but it's not American. That's an interesting point. It's built on individual rights and a distrust of government. Right. Good point. Now, that, that's what it's built on. Look at any other nation. No other nation ever was so skeptical of the power of its own government at the founding. Yeah. None. What if the pledge had the constitution instead of um, the republic? Would it, would you that? How does that change it for you? I don't like asking people to pledge anyway, so I, I'm generally a little bit versed, but it would change it. Does it remind it you of like it. the Apostles' Creed or something that you know? If in the Catholic Mass that, you say we believe why in ask one God to pledge. Right. I mean, I, I guess I I would say something like uh, like there are other rituals you can do where people respect and honor. Like if you just said stand for a moment and put your hand on your heart and look at the American flag as a symbol of individual rights and respect the principles that the nation was founded on. And like if you wanted to come up with some text around that, fine. But like asking people to pledge, the big problem I also have with the pledge is they make kids say it and it's indoctrination because kids don't know what the hell they're saying when they say it. They don't understand any of the words. Half the adults don't understand any of the words. Yeah. Certainly a first grader who stands up in school and does this with the Pledge of Allegiance. And I get that to a lot of Americans, and I mean like patriotic good Americans, they, they're like, well, at least it's indoctrination for something good. At least it's... It's like, okay, but it's still indoctrination. And what you want is thinking individuals in your society, not brain dead followers, even if what they're following is something that you admire, because followers are ultimately useless and dangerous because you get the wrong person to lead them and they're going <laughs> to go to hell. I have two thoughts about this. One. Sorry, I'm no. I was. I, I, I actually believe. I actually believe it's just reality, though, that most people are followers, and you can't mm -hmm. expect everyone to turn their brain on. This past year has convinced me of this: that maybe something as high as seventy-five percent of the population they're just followers, and so you need good leaders. And secondly, <laughs> um, I believe I believe that if you you can do something that is ritual, like a ritual or a pledge, where you're reciting something and also be conscious about what those words mean. Our church, we're not Catholic, but we've started doing the Apostles' Creed and I love it. I The first time we did it, I started crying because I was thinking about all the words and what they meant. And it mm -hmm. was so different for me to have something where we're all speaking this in unison and hopefully, presumably all agree, thinking about the words and what they mean. I think you can do both. I think you can have something that's a ritual or a rest, like you're reciting something and still also have it be meaningful. Yeah. Well, but when you, normalize, when you normalize following, that's the problem. Like, yes, there will be a large – I agree with you, by the way. There's, most people are going to be followers. But what you don't want is to, is to set up a structure which assumes people ought to be followers and trains them to, to be. be followers. Like, mm. right. train them to think on their own and not yeah. be followers. And if 70% of them still choose to be followers, at least the remaining 30% is thinking, and they can lead the followers in a good direction. Yeah. You still need a national narrative, however you're going to get it. But if you can get it from the Federalist Papers, if you can get it from a different story, if you get it from Paul Revere or whatever, or the pledge, I mean, 
I guess these are just different ways of, of having it. And that's why specifically, and you mentioned like the Better Discourse Conference, like we're having a panel on there that is talking about the national narrative and the need for that. And that's, I think, important because more than like more than any other nation, like America needs a um, it needs a national narrative because we don't necessarily share a language. Right. I mean, it's mostly English, but we don't share a native language like Japan or a native land like Japan. Right. So we're, we're an immigrant culture that is we have our national narrative is what binds us. I mean, we're, so we're fundamentally different in France and Japan and a lot of other places. And if that comes apart, the nation comes apart. So yeah. this whole 1619 project is, is very concerning to me because it's a hyper politicized narrative. So, you know, that and I, part of this I'm quoting from like that specific national narrative is from like one of my new favorite history podcasts called the history of the Americans, who a guy is taking this, it's a guy I used to work with. Um, and he's created like 30, I think 30 or 40 podcasts and starts at 1492 and we're still only at like 1580. Oh, so, wow. you know, that's not even at Roanoke yet, but <laughs> there's so much history of that when the Spanish came over, um, and one of, one of the things I think that struck me the most, and I think this is teaching people to think about it, like, you know, that this Columbus Day just happened and right. they say, oh, well, God, this is just terrible. This is the worst thing that ever befell the indigenous people. You know, he's he's a slaver. It's genocide and this and that. And he makes the point that what happens? OK, who else had the technology to get here? And he's like, well, the Chinese had it. The Arabs had it. Would it have been different? And he said, well. As soon as anyone arrived on the shore, like the same diseases would have spread like they were doomed. As soon as anyone showed up, 85 to 90 percent of the people were going to die due to lack of antibodies to certain diseases that had already ravaged the rest of the world. And that the Muslims had a huge already established trans-Saharan slave trade. And it very likely they would have imported blacks as the Indians dies to work in the mines of Bolivia and such. And the Chinese also had a pretty ensconced slave system, although it wasn't black people. You know, it probably would have unfolded in a very similar way. It's just a tragedy. But in some ways, the fact that they don't have the disease immunity, it's almost like a car that's driven off a cliff and you're falling down and you say, what do we do now? It's probably too late. You know, it was too yeah. late in 1300 because somebody was going to show up. And I just thought that was that's a unique perspective rather than Columbus is this is the worst thing that befell the people. We talked about this recently, Brian. Well, we talked about it on Columbus Day. It's just that things like the 1619 Project, they I think what they're doing is they're they're not only presenting us with a false narrative, but it's a very dumbed down narrative. It's not nuanced. It's like, here are the good guys and here are the bad guys throughout history. And oh, and it's a, it's a, I would, it's I just, would say it's, it's a intentionally misleading and corrupt narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you can't, but it's, it's looking at history as if, um, I don't know, with rose colored glasses in a way of like everything would have been peachy keen if not for this race or this sex or this man or, you know, and it's like, no, like you said. A lot of these things, um, and, and even now we're watching tragedy unfold around us. I mean, tragedy happens, suffering happens, but depended on the people who are the perpetrators at the time or the person and say, 
uh, all of history is a story of how these pe people mm -hmm. that look like this or, you know, men have is a story of how men have done X, Y, Z or how white people have done X, Y, Z. It's just like, that's not true. Yeah. And if you go searching and for your political priors in history, you will find them. You will. So any any hyper politicized narrative can be crafted and it limits understanding. So having multiple perspectives and something something there that actually will help understanding as opposed to politicization. And that that's why I'm so upset with critical race theory, because these kind of the critical race theory, they say in their own literature that they mean specifically to be partisan. They mean to be hyperpartisan. Like that's the point is to insert this political narrative. And like, I guess that's, that's fine to talk about maybe at the college level where you're saying, okay, all of these spaces exist, but to, to try to put that on an eight year old, like that, you know, doesn't know about this. It's weird. I and mean, we, we put up a video of Ibram X Kendi and he's talking about, this too, again, looks like eight or nine-year-olds. And he's talking about racist policies and how you need to advocate for policies that aren't racist. And one of the kids is like, what's a policy? And I'm like, are we really talking policy <laughs> to kids that literally don't know the definition of what a policy is? Yeah. Well, and what you're saying, like what CRT is doing just to, for the audience, because they like to hear the history, like that's a, that's straight out of Marcuse's repressive tolerance. Like that's what that is. It's this like we have to have we have to counter. The, the, you know, the idea is that there's this narrative that is missing the minority that we support, so that we now we need to only we need to bias it the other way. That's what kind of what that is. Um, and I I don't disagree that there should be a narrative um, for America. I agree with you, Brian, and I think I think that narrative should be tied in with. Uh, I would say is an objective as possible analysis of what was different about America. Like, look, France was founded. Mm -hmm. Well, the revolution was uh, same time as American revolution, roughly like, you know, mm -hmm. within, within plus or minus, right? Uh, decades, a couple decades. But, you know, the French were busy doing the same thing. They read the same writers. Um, they ended up with something very different than America did. And it's worth asking the question, what makes America different and and to have your eyes open about what the world was like at the time of even prior to that, like the time of Columbus, as you're saying, like people, first of all, slavery was common. So you can't and not limited to the Europeans. Uh, you can't yeah. blame Europeans for slavery. Conquest was the norm also in North America for many of the tribes that we idolize and act like, you know, I, th I think I said this on Monday, but we act like they're these, you know, this Disney versions of Native Americans when, you know, there was cannibalism and ritual sacrifice and taking over and, and you know, taking slaves from the neighboring tribe and conquering, not all of them, some of them were more peaceful than others, but like, there definitely wasn't this Shangri-La of one big happy nation of peaceful yeah. Native Americans that, that right. the Europeans came in and corrupted. So the idea that you would co go in and by conquest take land, wasn't like that was the norm that was the norm um and the idea that like it's this oh only these white people came in and did this horrible thing it's like this the same horrible thing everyone has been doing throughout yeah. all of history including the people that were there already they yeah. just lost 
That's yeah. all. They yeah. lost. That's the right. problem. And it wasn't even militarily. Had they not been ravaged by disease, right. you got to wonder if they would have got a foothold. I, I was always puzzled why, how does um, Cortez in 1521 with like 200 conquistadors, like take over the Aztec empire. Like Tenochtitlan is a city of 500,000 people. At the time it ranks in the top 10 of all cities. It's way bigger than London at the time. How the heck, how do they not just completely overwhelmed? And it's because they had been raiding through like the Tlaxcala, I think is how you say it, like these other tribes. And many of these were for the sacrifices that were, you know, take somebody's heart out to make the sunrise the next day. They weren't doing that to their own people. They're doing it to neighborhood tribes. So, you know, when the conquistadors link up with 30,000 like Tlaxcalan warriors, now it makes more sense that maybe they could win. You know, and that's that's exactly what happens. Then they invite him in. And of course, they kill their leader. And there's all there's also like these eight omens that happen too. that they're all spooked that this is the return of like Quetzalcoatl, the god. And anyway, the, the point is, yeah, the Aztecs were pretty brutal to their neighbors. Yeah. And let's be clear. There is a superiority about and I'm going to use that word. I'm using that word intentionally because it will trigger people. But there is something superior about European culture at the time, which is there was much greater respect for reason. Like they they were much more scientific. Uh, and there was and and, you know, yeah, they didn't respect human life either. Neither one of them, neither side respected human life very well. But one was imbued with a lot more day to day mysticism than the other. Like one was inventing things and valuing science and the other was ripping hearts out of people to make the sun come up the next day. So mm -hmm. like one of those things is better for humans and it's not ripping hearts out of people to make the sun right. rise. Right. Now it, it, you still, but they were, they had no problem enslaving them in like the silver mines of Bolivia and, and of all course. that. Both but, wrong for other reasons. Yes. Sure. But, and, but the Aztecs obviously are enslaving and killing too. But the point is, and Carl Benjamin made this point years back. I remember I listened on the podcast that I don't think it's brought up enough. And that's that what we wouldn't criticize the Spaniards like for, you know, their technology at the time. You know, what? why didn't they have the steam engine in 1492, right? We don't criticize that. We don't criticize the, the Aztecs for the level of technology, right? We don't criticize George Washington for not having the Internet. Why? Okay, fine. But what about morality? Doesn't morality like build in the same way that technology does, that you get better and smarter? So if we weren't criticizing George Washington for having an iPhone, why would we criticize him for not having today's morality? It's completely unfair to hold them to that same level of morality because they just weren't necessarily exposed to that. Like, it, well, why, it why isn't it used technology? Yeah. It depends also, what you're doing. I'm not necessarily holding Aztecs to a technology or morality level, but I am saying one is better like if if an advanced species came from a from alpha centauri and they had invented warp drive and cold fusion and all this other stuff and their and their society was peaceful and they hadn't had a war in ten thousand years and everyone was happy and free i would be like yeah you guys are better you figured it out you're better you are better so you just raise, may i join <laughs> you are better okay so i get it I I just wanted to interject here for a second because this is an interesting fact. We also, I agree with you, Brian, that we don't we don't look back, we don't judge historical figures for not having technological advances, or but we do judge them for not being mm -hmm. what we consider to be like morally advanced. But we also forget that just like today, 
a small number of people can shape public opinion and can lead the followers to bad places. And I started thinking about this when we got to interview this history professor over a year ago, Dr. William Allen. Have you heard of him? No. Uh -uh. He's so interesting. And he has, obviously, he, he, well, he speaks against the 1619 Project. And I think probably because he's also Black, the, the media doesn't want to hear from him. Mm. <laughs> but, he, uh, but he told us about a lot of history about Washington that I wasn't even aware of. And it made me reconsider that maybe people held views that they knew weren't yet popular or there weren't yeah. there wasn't enough people to sway the opinion there yet but they knew it should go there he told us for example that um washington specifically was it washington or jefferson it was washington he did not when he when he passed away was it was it him carter or was it jefferson i don't want to get it wrong who freed the slaves in the weird way to make sure who, that they yes, actually got free that was Washington. right yeah it was washington to make sure mm -hmm. that they were actually freed he put in his will that they would be freed upon his wife's death because he didn't trust his wife to free them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like weird things like that were sort of like laying the groundwork for maybe there were people throughout history who were laying the groundwork in a way for when they knew society got to the place where it should be. And when there, there was a critical mass of enough people to get it to this place. And I'm not excusing anyone for not taking a, a bigger stand. I'm just saying we tend to forget that people back then, human nature is a lot like it is today. And you can sway an entire nation with a small minority. Look at, I mean, I think the woke are a minority, but they're swaying mm -hmm. the country and yeah. they're moving us in a certain direction. And I don't know. I think, I think, I think it's worth. They happen uh, to be a minority in, in the right spots though. They did pick strategic places to be right. They, they did the long march into academia. They, <laughs> yeah, it, that, they picked you know. the right places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so yeah. uh, that interview, I just want to plug that interview for anyone who might be new to our channel, Dr. William Allen. I still, that's one of my favorite interviews. He's, he's just brilliant. And he had a lot of information and I would check that one out. Um, plus we should do some super chats, but quickly, just to reiterate, because I saw Beverly put it on screen while you were talking about it. Tell us a little bit about the Better Discourse Conference that's coming up in Texas. I'm really excited you guys are going to be here. Yeah, like so we have um, in Texas. So with the Better Discourse event is what we're trying to do is bring in um, speakers from the right and the left, if we even call it that anymore. So it's really like disparate viewpoints where what we want is like it's good to be able to argue your viewpoint. But just like a, a team running drills and practice without if you're running offensive plays without a defense, you don't know if they're like you know that they're good if they work against a defense. So you want somebody to be able to push back. So we're bringing in disparate points of view to talk about different things. And one of them is a national narrative um, discussion, like what should be our national narrative. And we hope like sometimes getting disagreement is better than disagreements to find this out. Um, one of them's on China, whether um, it's like we call it best frenemies, you know, like friend or foe or frenemy, like, what what to talk about what to do about china and one of them is called the abcs of critical race theory um and we're bringing in people to again talk about critical race theory again on the right and the left and i'll pull up I'll pull up the schedule here um the uh the other is is america at our breaking point which is going to be a uh we thought that Sydney and elijah were going to do their show but um they're going to have more of a, a discussion panel so, um, and then we also have one about censorship. So we, we I initially called it like, does democracy die with Dorsey, 
right? So this is a, a panel on censorship. And uh, so Jack Basovic, Stephen Bonnell, that's Destiny, Sean Fitzgerald, Sarah Gonzalez are going to be there um, for the uh, education of the critical race theory panel. It's James Lindsay, Libby Emmons, Justin Gibson. Um, right now for China, it's Jack Basovic, Mia Cathal, Melissa Chen, and Lauren Chen. And then we have Elijah, Sydney, Lisa Reynolds, and, and Chandler for... Um, for that one. And then for the censorship panel, we have, again, Destiny, Stephen Bonnell, um, Ariel Scarcella, Nico House, and Peter Coffin. And then, of course, Carrie um, is moderating a couple of I those panels well. And Carrie does a great job of moderating, a lot better than I did. I was up on the panel too, but Carrie is awesome. So I have, I'm, I'm watch. if I have to moderate a panel, I'm, I'm going to take notes. That's very kind. I Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. It was hard. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I did a good job, but I think it, But the I think point is like, to, these are fun events. Like they're not just there to like, to sit and you're listening because like, if you come to the event the whole day, you get to hang out, you get to like, if you've watched some of these people on YouTube, like you can talk about, you can talk with them, you know, like hanging out with, you know, Jack Posobiec, if you like him, like for an hour at the bar, just drinking beers, you know, or to meet Carrie or to meet, to meet uh, Jeremy from the quartering came. Yeah, out. that was pretty cool. And then we got to have him on the show. I, I have a question for you about because speaking of the moderation, one of the issues was um, we had a pretty spirited on one of my panels debate that got kind of personal on one side of it. Yeah. And uh, trying to figure out how to rein that in was was uh, it was like being you know thrown into the deep end. But I my question is this. Do you guys have, given what we were talking about earlier, you know, I used to think about the major divisions as being left, right. And I don't necessarily think that's the big polarization anymore. Do you have trouble, first of all, getting people from the left? I think you do. And secondly, do you also agree? Is it, is it, is the division still along left, right lines or is the division somewhere else? It's and probably among like authoritarian libertarian lines. Although to be fair, would the authoritarians call themselves authoritarians? They probably wouldn't like they that. They don't call themselves that. They don't. So the the people that on the left that it are easier to get are what I call the left libertarian types. So these people tend to not like Trump. Um, they're very distrustful of big pharma and like in big corporations and the military industrial complex, all of that. They so they'll come. They're they're very much Medicare for all tend to be. But you can talk because they're they typically don't like woke and they don't like big corporate. So you know you have at least something in common there. The people that are hardest to get are the woke, you know, and yeah. if I if that's not a pejorative, but like getting somebody like a gender studies professor, we we sent out like I think 150 emails and got nothing back. We got one person who said that would be kind of cool. Maybe I consider it, but I'm on vacation. So, I mean, that was our closest. So no one, talk. No, they just won't talk. Um, so it would be great to get somebody like that. Um, it might be actually easier to get somebody who's like a separatist, like a black separatist. You you might actually find it easier to get somebody like that than somebody who's this woke corporate. That's the hardest. Yeah. You can probably get Hotep Jesus. Hotep right. Jesus. The, the one person we have that who I would say is like the most, who kind of defends who voted for Biden and really felt like Biden was the right choice as opposed to, you know, somebody else was um, Stephen Bonnell or destiny. Like he's probably the best argument there for it. 
I wouldn't say he's establishment, but at least he'll defend some establishment ideas in, I think, uh, a, a good way. Like he's, you may not agree with it, but he's articulate. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't seem to want to lie to you. You know that, I mean, do you guys feel that everything these days is, is there's so many lies. You feel like yes. you're being lied to constantly and that's, that's a big issue. Yes. Yeah, I feel dumber <laughs> if I watch the mainstream news or anything. It's like, oh, like, I don't, yeah, what are you going to do? In fact, uh, you reminded me of the, did you see the Rogan interview with uh, Sanjay Gupta? Yes. I mean, you know, he he calls him out and he says what needed to be said, which was if, like, first of all, he's just like, why didn't you, you're their doctor. You're the resident doctor at CNN. Why didn't you stop them from lying about horse medication? And he yes, like, oh, and he's a neurosurgeon. Yeah, I guess I should have. He like danced around that, and then and then Rogan asked, I think, which is the the big question and the point the poignant question for which there was no answer, which was like, look, the if you're we know CNN knows that they're lying about this little thing, which is some drug that a comedian took, and we know they know they're lying because you can't not know that you're lying about that. What the hell? How are we supposed to interpret anything they say about Syria or Afghanistan or anything else? It's like, well, there's a whole world out there that we have no visibility into. And you guys are providing us this information. How can we possibly trust you? Yeah, it's hey. funny. One of the comedians that he brought on, like it, it's it's gotten to such levels that Joe Rogan had some comedian on and he like he goes, old horse worm Rogan. That's <laughs> <Right. laughs> so funny. Welcome. Hey. To Sean Fitzgerald, if you guys are just listening and not watching, actual Justice Warrior has entered the chat. I have made it. (laughs) Sean, what's going on? What's up, Brian? Bring in some actual justice. Sean's Uh, actually going to be at the Better Discourse Conference also, which we were just talking about. So, glad to have you Um, today. We were talking about Horse Dewormer. Am I the only one who's (laughs) tried it? (laughs) Oh, my God. You take Horse Dewormer? (laughs) I do. (laughs) <laughs> i've tried everything well, at least you so, don't have any worms so that's good yeah uh i don't i don't want to get as banned I, I would say more but um yeah no but, that's fine yeah. can i can i ask brian a question that uh someone in chat asked it's not a super chat but i think it's a good question um they're asking for book recommendations regarding american or north american history and i imagine they don't mean revolutionary history i imagine they mean more what you're talking about some of the aztecs or the original explorers landing and interactions there yeah, like I honestly, I couldn't recommend that the the history of the Americans podcast. Like, and he gives all of his sources on that. And there's a website with uh, a bunch of different sources. It it talks about all. I mean, there was so much history that again, we're 40 podcasts in, and it's not even at 1580. Rich wow. history that that you really need to understand um, to understand American history. Like, it's I couldn't recommend it more. So I would go there. Um, it, it's really hard to find one book and that's, that's what he was doing is the reason he's making the podcast is to stitch that together. So yeah, Jack Henneman and the history of the Americans would be where I'd go. Okay. I I'll put a link in super chat or in chat. I mean, for people. Uh, so how is everybody? Um, what, what topics are you going over? I totally <laughs> didn't just wake up. So, <laughs> well, we uh, we just we solved all the world's in. problems, man. We did. We, go back we to were sleep. talking about national divorce <laughs> and how just a brief year ago that didn't seem to be something that people were talking about. Now it's 
on the radar on the left and the right. And we were sort of talking about how hard it is to bring together people like at something like Better Discourse um, or even in the civility dinners I used to do. It's hard to bring together people. I could get people on the left and, and the right, but I couldn't get people who, like you were saying, Brian, who were woke and who I would call authoritarians. They they probably wouldn't like that word. And um, and I think that's the reason why I've shifted to started thinking that maybe along like what, what Carter was saying a year ago, I'm now more in that camp of maybe we need a separation because I used to think the biggest difference was between right and left. And now I've started to realize, no, it's really between mm -hmm. libertarians and authoritarians. Right. I think I caught you up. Hmm. <laughs> and we were, can you maybe just uh, tell people a little bit about, because we talked about Mythinformed for a minute, just tell people a little bit about where they can find you and what you do, Sean, because not everyone knows. Oh, you can find me on YouTube at the Actual Justice Warrior. That's that's my YouTube channel. I'm going to be at Myth Informed as well. So I'm going to see all you lovely folks over there. I'm also uh, on Instagram, new Instagram, Instagram.com slash Actual Justice, and on Twitter at IamSean90. So, you know, cool. I'm I'm in all the places now. Except and for Sean Facebook. seems to be, I don't, I don't know if this is a characterization you'll agree with, but to me, you're the guy who's like, if I have a question about something going on in education, usually involving how they're screwing up. Sean knows where it's coming from, who's funding it, what's going on, the status. I, that, that's how I, it, it seems to me anyway. It's weird because I got like drafted in that role because um, uh, the David Horowitz Freedom Center and David mm -hmm. Horowitz specifically contacted me because I made a video about a school and they're like, you should do a whole series on this. And I'm like, why? And then they're like, do it for us. And I'm like, cool, I got it. So I ended up learning about this. It's like not in my background, not whatever I thought I would be doing, but I have over 20 videos on like K through 12 indoctrination mm -hmm. that covers critical race theory things and and all that, which is, you know, like we we're doing that years ago. And it's really strange that this is like the predominant issue now because mm -hmm. you guys even had me on originally to talk about this kind yeah. of stuff and different versions of like woke ideology coming in. But the critical race theory really has taken over since then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in a big way. And yeah, it, on our Twitter page, it, it Myth Informed, it, it's, it's Myth Informed MKE, which is not Mike. It's not Myth Informed Mike. It's Myth Informed. It's supposed to be Milwaukee. That's the airport code. But it, Myth Informed MKE, we, that's what we do is put up little clippets of, of we watch thousands of hours of these teachers conferences and other places and document critical race theory in all these different places. And, and Sean, your, your videos are awesome because you're taking bigger dives on this where we're just finding bits of content for other people to report on. Oh, thank you. I do appreciate that. And by the way, the reason he said it's not Mike is because when I went to the Myth Informed event, I'm like, which one of you use Mike? <laughs> Uh, I'm, the, I'm the one who thought it was Mike. Yeah, that, that is the true story. All right. Um, I why do you? Quick question, because I know you're right. We were talking about this a few years ago. It's sort of exploded in public consciousness now, and I think I think there's two things that happen. I want to hear your takes on this. One, I think there was an acceleration that happened with George Floyd, so the ideology oh, yeah. became more aggressive and infiltrated more in the mainstream. Right. And the second thing I have think that happened was that um, people were pushing back against it, specifically people like uh, Christopher Rufo um, were successful in getting one word to stick 
like to talk about it as critical race theory instead of because up until then, anytime I've talked about this ideology or other people have talked about it, it's sort of all over. You can call it social justice. You can call it intersectionality. You can call, in my opinion, all of these things are part of the same thing. But getting people to identify it as this one thing and giving almost giving that word a brand recognition, mm -hmm. I think was very and it being useful. accurate. Like yes. that's, that's the thing. It's accurate too. Like you, you can't just like make something up, but this whole like Wesley Yang, like successor ideology, some people like woke, but critical race theory is actually a thing. It's something that you can look up and actually define. And that's what it is. So it's not perfect, but it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a bullseye. It may not be the double bullseye, but it's a single. So that's a dumb darts analogy. Yeah, and no, it, what I what I love about it, though, is that if you if you so if you called it woke or you called it social justice and you looked it up, it wouldn't you wouldn't be as horrified. But if you look up critical race theory and actually read about it, the average person will be horrified mm. to read what critical race theorists believe. And I and it's, it's, it's something that the left doesn't have a good defense for because they'll say we're not teaching critical race theory. That's something they teach in law school and all of that. But if you read any of these theorists, like their ideas are in the curriculum, like the whole idea that we have two separate curriculums, like one that's taught in like traditional, like standard American English and the other one that's taught in like black American English, which is Ebonics, which they have a weird name for it. It's like African-American vernacular, whatever, like that comes directly from critical race theory scholars. And they say that trying to teach black kids standard American English is cultural genocide. So you can draw a straight line from their scholarship to this in practice. And the whole point of them is to is originally was there were identifying problems, but not proposing a solution for like how to fix society. But like they over time, they did start proposing solutions for how to fix society. And that's what we're seeing is like the implementation of the ideas that would be taught to you in a critical race theory classroom. So like, right. They're not teaching critical race theory. They're practicing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And teaching the concepts, right? I mean, you, you can give the basic concepts to medicine in fifth grade, but you're not, that's not medical school. Yeah. You can, you can teach the basic concepts. It's, it's basically right. like, um, it's, it's basically like if critical race theory is an apple tree and they're like, we're not putting apple trees in the classroom. It's like, yeah, but you flooded the classroom with all the fruit. With uh, all the apples. Right. Yes. The apples are in there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Well, but plus the architects of this belief system they're more than happy to talk about it as like being in the classroom and to brag about it until it mm -hmm. became an identifiable bullseye. Right. And now they are trying to say it's not in there, but I just sent you an image Carter will where um, Christopher Rufo posted this the other day. I know that people have seen some of the ones where um, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw has bragged about it being in the classroom. This is one where Degaldo is saying uh, here, we didn't set out to colonize, but found a natural affinity in education. And then, and then look at the other underlines. Like, critical race By the way, theory. I love that she uses the word "colonize" specifically, which is like Col really bad for them theory. normally, right? Yeah, but okay. Critical race theory is in some ways what? livelier in education right now than it is in law. Woohoo! But you know, not in education, right? Anyway. Yeah, and yeah, and Delgado and Stefanczyk on that, and it was I think it's on page three talks about that unlike traditional civil rights movements, which stress step-by-step -step progress and incremental gains, critical race theory questions the entire concept of the liberal order itself, okay. like including enlightened rationalism and the neutral principles of constitutional law. 
Like, how is that not radical? And that's in their own <laughs> words in the introduction to critical race theory meant for high schoolers and, and college kids. Yeah. Yeah. And and they implemented it like all the way down the chain. It, it's funny because the way that this works, uh, the deny it's like denial, deceit, deflection is they'll say it's not happening. And then they'll and then when you bring up examples, they'll be like, oh, well, that's good. And and it's like, oh, we should be teaching that. So and if you're against it, then you're probably questionable. So it's always like it's always in that stage of events because they're like, oh, of course we should teach kids racism is bad. Like that's what you end up with at the end. And it's like, but we already did that in our curriculum. We already taught yeah. kids about the history of slavery. If you want to argue about whether or not we should do that, that's fine. I'm like, how we should do that, that's fine. But that's not what this is about. And like no critical race theory scholar says that this is what it's about. Right. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it sound like when they talk about like people that like joined Al Qaeda or, you know, Islamic Jihad and they're saying the reason they did it is lack of economic opportunity. You know, not that they actually believe in this hardcore religious fundamentalism or maybe a psycho and they want to go to a place where it's okay to kill people. No, it's, it just seems like this is BS. They're, they're saying, oh, well, the critical racists couldn't really want that. They just want you to see black people as like normal. Right. I mean, does anyone else feel like that? Yeah, it's well, it, that's the way it's sold. So when it gets watered down to where you're in a, a, a local small town Facebook group of mostly women who are new to social justice, all of this stuff gets distilled into um, we have to treat people differently on the basis of race because we're ending racism. And because people don't see black people as equal and human or, and, and white people don't see black people as um, that their lives matter. White people don't believe their lives matter. So we have to, and then what that, what they do is implement racism. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't, I, there's some kind of uh, disconnect. Well, obviously there's a disconnect between the theory and people like Richard Delgado who are pushing this stuff in, it, you know, in academia. And when it gets watered down to the soccer mom groups, that's where you can see what they actually mean and what they actually believe without all the pseudo intellectual jargon around it. Cause they'll tell you and kids, when kids are learning this at school, they're getting the apples. They may not have the apple tree, but they're getting the apples at school and they'll come home and they'll say to you, you know, why are white people bad? Yeah. That's what they're learning. Yeah. yeah. We see that a ton. Like we, when we did that Pizza Hut, like that Pizza Hut is supporting critical race theory. And they had this, this big piece that we, we, we reported on this, like, I don't know, a few months back. And they have these people. Now, they, they brought this one under social emotional learning. And they talk about the kids like, you know, they're like, so what have you learned? And then these cute kids that are like, 10 or 11, and you can't fault the kids because I think they're getting it right from the adults. And they say, well, what have you learned? And then the kids, the kids like, well, I understand that when a black person murders a white person, that's murder. But if a white person murders a black person, that's self-defense. Wow. You know, and another one is, is just talking about the dominant culture that, you know, the dominant culture is because white people like the dominant culture says that white people say and make other people believe that black people aren't as good. And this is terrible. And my own sis, my niece who's adopted from Guatemala, my sister said she came on one time after learning about Ruby bridges 
And they taught it in such a way that she came back and said, mom, I have brown skin, so I'm less than. And she goes, where did you hear that? And she's like in school and she had to, that, so she had never ever thought that anyone had looked at her differently, but then she heard that quote, America looks at brown skin people as lesser and then had to have a talk about mom of, no, that's not how it is. You're, they're scaring kids. Like, yes. I mean, that's what buggers me the worst. Yes. Well, as a parent, I, you know, I don't want my school teaching morality. Hmm? Like that's not their function. Like, uh, teaching the facts of history. And I get that there's going to be spins, but whatever, as best you can teaching the facts of history. And, you know, I don't want to sound old fashioned, but reading, writing, uh, arithmetic, <laughs> maybe some, frankly, some, maybe some basic logic would be nice. Uh, so that they kind of learned how to think and identify logical fallacies, but they don't need to be taught. I don't, I don't want, I, I don't want to send my kid to a school where someone is saying this is what's right and this is what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the job? I mean, look, I know a lot of parents have would like to outsource their entire parenting job to everyone else, but could you at least keep the part where you teach them right from wrong? Like, what the hell? I just like, a lot of parents why is that outsourced? Because a lot of parents don't know right from wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but there's well, a lot of people the, that yeah, wouldn't mind if that's taught. Like if you agree with one set of morality, whatever it is, you'll probably want that taught. Well, that's why you need free market schools and not government controlled mm -hmm. schools, but that's a separate issue. But but it's also why like it is important to push back on this in the public schools. Like a lot of people will say, homeschool your kids, put your kid in private school or whatever. And it's like, okay. But the percentage of kids that are going to be homeschooled or go to private school is going to be like 10, maybe 15 percent. If we have like a national movement, I yeah. uh, that's still 85 percent of the next generation that's being indoctrinated against this. It's like, oh, well, we could lose nine to one in the future instead of uh, 95 to five. Like, you know, we could improve our ratios of how bad we're losing. Like it's it's not a good uh it's not a good way to, to go about it. But like the critical race theory thing is like more prominent than people even realize. So I remember I was reading um, writings from Regina Austin and she was talking about conspiracy theories in the black community and how they're OK because they're reflective, even if the conspiracy theory is false, of overall broader truths. And you guys were talking about like, you know, that mm -hmm. medicine thing. But like, you know, there's also the vaccine and we know who's not getting the vaccine more than any other people based on the demographics. And a lot of that by the media is like not ever acknowledged. Like you yes. only see white Republicans that aren't getting the vaccine. Like they're the idiots, they're the rubes, et cetera. Yep. And nobody talks about the largest demographic of people in the United States not getting it, even though like everything that they would argue, the media would label conspiracy theories had they come from a white, like yep. or right wing person. So we're literally watching like that ideology of like excusing conspiracy theories, poor behavior and all that, even for things that the left consider like say that they care about, it, like being implemented just in our broader society. It's the it's the point of view of our mainstream media. It goes even beyond our schools. And you can see this happen over and over again, where you read some of these things and you're like, oh, they're doing that. That's like a well, like. You know, maybe this person, the people doing it never even took these classes, but this is like permeated throughout our society way more than we even realize. And, to, and when you go back and read those original readings, you're like, OK, I see what's going on here a little bit. It's racism in action. They're teaching people how to be racist and then people are going out and they're behaving in racist ways. So if you're saying 
let me look at your vax hesitancy and look at your vax hesitancy and treat yours differently because of what race you are. That's racist. If it's because yeah. of what race you are, that's racist. That's just racist. And that's what they're teaching. And I, we, I agree with you. We did a, a show once where we pulled up headline after headline where it was a negative point of view from the headline uh, about white Christian evangelicals are the vaccine problem. And it was all like negative, like you stupid white Republicans kind of thing. And then we compared a couple of headlines where it was sort of vaccine hesitancy makes sense in the black community. And here's why. And it's sort of like two completely different perspectives on it. It's it's why? the soft bigotry of no expectations. And the reasons are the same. <laughs> <laughs> But that's awesome. It it's funny because the one time that critical race theory might have accidentally done some good would have been vaccine mandates because again, like they're more disproportionately people of color. So when Ibram X Kendi came to town in Milwaukee, with yeah. Sean, like who I work with for better discourse, he's like, we got to go to that. I'm like, all right. So we went and we got second row seats for that. And we're like, there's no way he's going to do a Q&A. There's no way. And then they announce Q&A. And I'm like, and he, Sean literally pushes me to up to ask the question, which I wanted to ask. So I straight up ask him. I'm like, well, since proportionally more people of color as percentage are unvaccinated and you, if I'm not incorrect, think that any policy which has a disparate racial impact is therefore racist, aren't vaccine mandates racist? And then this two second hush comes over the crowd. And then you kind of hear a couple of people going, hmm, hmm, you know, and that it, it, and he answers and says exactly what, what you might predict, which I know, I think it's actually conservatives that are the, the ones that are most um, unvaccinated. And if it does apply to the black community, if I'm wrong, it's really because there's no access to the vaccine and that they don't have enough access. But oh they God. want it, but they, they, don't have no, they don't have enough access. Right. And guess what? I saw this happen, uh, Brian. Myth Informed, when they posted this video, they literally just shared a video of even Rex Candy answering the question, his own words. Yep. Tweet pulled down and you guys got a temporary suspension, right? Yeah, we got locked out. So we that's, you know, the same thing that happened in the New York Post for doing the Biden laptop thing where in, it says delete this tweet or you can't do anything. So we were there. So it was never that you couldn't see our tweets like anti-hero Kate just got suspended. So it was, we were forced to delete it. Although it is up on YouTube. So um, funnily enough, it'll probably get taken down. So if you do want to see Ibram X Kendi actually get asked a hard question, um, go ahead and do it. And then Sean also asked him um, whether or not if a school district has banned critical race theory, should they just not pay attention to the law? and kind of make some squirm on that one too. So those are up on like Myth and Forms uh, YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Yeah. No, and by the way, the idea that there's no access to the vaccine in the black community, absurd. Like there's definitely more access in urban areas. They tend to live in more urban areas. Like in, I'm, I'm in New York City. Like you go everywhere, they got signs. They're like, come in, get the thing. Like, well, and they've tried everything over here. They give you money, you know, some mm -hmm. place to give you donuts and all that. Like, it's it's everywhere. It's even in local pharmacies, not just CVS. You know, if like if if you're gonna argue, maybe there's like a phobia of CVS and Walgreens and Rite Aid. No, no, it's in the local pharmacies and all that. Like you can get it in schools. You could get it in the train station, which Did sounds you see the disgusting. governor. You can Did get you it in see the New York governor's uh, explanation, Sean, for uh, like she said. I think 
I think I'm hearing stories that people aren't going to get the vaccine because they have to get on subways and they're worried of being assaulted on the way. Oh that was her honest to goodness like explanation for what was going on. It's awesome. I mean, unfortunately, that's not a, a crazy fear in, in today's New York City. We're watching a regression in terms of crime, but I don't think that's why people are not getting the vaccine. No, I'm going to do just a couple super chats so we don't get too far behind. If you guys bear with us. Um, we have a lot. Yeah. Johnny Wise says the only thing the elite despise more than the poor are black Americans who don't claim victimhood. <laughs> yes, I think so. Possibly. Also, transgender people who don't claim victimhood. Uh, Richard Petz says erosion of liberty is like rust corroding a steel structure. If they're to see ignored and eventually it's there to see ignored and eventually causes collapse. Maybe we should, should I just run through some super chats while we're doing this, Carrie? Because we've got a whole bunch. I don't want to ignore people. Uh, oh, isn't that what I was doing? You've <laughs> oh. been skipping. You skipped over a few. Oh, I, you're like, I, I don't know, know where you, you are. So you okay. seem like I you were stopping. Maybe you couldn't hear me. Oh, I thought you were stopping. So I was going to okay. pick up. If you're keeping you going. You don't have to ask me, Carter. Just run ahead. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Go right ahead. <laughs> no, keep going, Carrie. Super I don't understand what's happening. The governor's answer to can they be put can they put us in camps for COVID is yes. Standing SCOTUS precedent. Korimus, I don't know this one. Korematsu versus the U.S. Oh, Pledge allegiance. It's probably from World War II. Korematsu versus the U.S. is the um, the very famous Japanese internment case. Right. And wow. it's technically, to be fair, not overturned. Even though Ronald Reagan apologized for the case the precedent in that was never overturned. So like assuming the Supreme court would just blindly be devoted to precedent, like mm -hmm. that would still stand. Right. I, this is why I need to learn more about history. Um, and especially the Supreme court cases because they're coming in very handy recently, but that does have nothing to do with the vaccine. I just want to point out that's Japanese internment. A guy tried to fight it in court because he was arrested and convicted of violating Japanese internment. And he lost it in the Supreme Court during World War II. But Reagan yeah. did apologize and give money to the to the living sur uh, survivors of Japanese internment. But like technically, according to the Supreme Court docket, that is the standing precedent because there hasn't been an internment case that would have overturned that since then. So I don't know how valid that point is. Ideally, there never never will be. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is not a super chat, but I'm just curious what she's talking about, Brian. Rachel D says, I got to say, though, Myth Informed has to do a better job at how they respond to rad fems. Do you know what that's about? Um, rad fems. Like, I, I'm i assuming, like, radical feminists, but um, I'm not sure how we're responding to, um, to, like, the criticisms, or do they mean, like, you know, the people that are called TERFs? I, I don't know um, what they're talking about. Okay, I was just curious if you knew. Um, go ahead, Carter. I can't see those old ones. So or maybe we're not talking okay. enough about them. That it could be that too, because I don't think we've posted like radical feminist stuff in a while. You could probably bring Megan Murphy or someone on into mm. it. Yeah, that, that's uh, apparently that is what they call the um, the non like you know the it's the non derogatory term for turfs apparently. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. They, I think the rad femmes call themselves rad femmes, and and yes. then. Yes. Wilkies call them TERFs. 
Yes. Because they, they are still making like essentially woke arguments about the patriarchy that are no different than the critical race theory argument, except for they just replace race with sex. Even even their um, yeah. even their transgender thing where they're like, oh, it's like uh, the equivalent of female blackface. Is like a lefty <laughs> argument. Like people, people mistake them for like a right wing group. It's it's not. It's just like left wing bickering, right? Well, they're yeah. willing to use postmodernist uh, tools to apply for everything except for gender when it hurts yeah. women. And there's pomo trads too that James Lindsay will get in fights with that you know essentially have this 1950s traditional thing that are also postmodern. How so? I don't even I know those pomo what's a trad. Pomo That's trad. Like a, that, that almost feels like they don't go together. I know the trad wife thing and I know the postmodernists. How do they go together? That's well, an there's, interesting one. There's a blonde woman that he would get into it called Alex somebody on Twitter. I could look it up. Um, she's got about 50,000 followers and she talks about all, all this stuff. But getting back to, you know, these these arguments, it's basically arguments for conservatism, but it's they they aren't structured and they're they're basically that the left will come in and infect they, they don't talk about the values themselves and why they're good but rather that there's this literal atmosphere that's corrupting so you can see it's the same thing just like whiteness is quote unquote corrupting everything you could have like this liberal values like correct everything because there's like liberal values are deconstructive like you have to question everything that there's nothing oh, so they basically make conservative values. Like what, what does critical race theory do? They take the one thing, like the lived experience of oppression is the one thing you can't deconstruct. So they pick out a few conservative values and say, you can't deconstruct those either. I see, I see. But you can- Are they re they're religious usually? Yeah, but not in a, like religious in a way that because religion is good, but they don't, they're not really faithful. You get it? Like, so religion yeah. is good, but they're not using arguments that like a devout Catholic might use. Right. They're, they're not living, arguments. Yeah. living their faith. Yeah. Alex, I'll look it up if you want to know exactly who it yeah, is. Yeah, I've never if heard it was of Alex Forrester or Alex Kachuta. It's a woman. Um, Hang on. Let's see if I can find it. Right. Keep talking. I, I don't want to. That's right. I'll do some super chats while you're looking. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Joyner just gives a super chat and says he was the first. So welcome, Andrew. Lion King intro this, gives us a super a chat and says... Not, it, I can't even. This is going to be. That's the song, Carter. Not some freaking. I hate Lion King. Okay, Lion King intro also then gives us another super. Sorry, I don't hate you, Lion King. You hate the Lion King? Oh my God, you have no soul. You're about to be really surprised then because whoever this is, I have no idea who it is, but their name is Lion King intro. And it looks like they gave us like seven super chats where you have to sing. Yeah. You should read them. Can you read the one that starts with Hakuna Matata? No, I don't see it anymore. That might be a super clever troll because like, if you, if you start singing Disney songs, you'll get copyright strike. Yes. But I can't sing. So that won't work. Uh, well, Lion King intro again says, and, by, and I am appreciative for the super chatting. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata, it ain't no passing craze. I think this is from the song. It means let's go Brandon for the rest of his days. <laughs> it's our problem-free philosophy, Hakuna Matata. Well, now I kind of like it. Um, <laughs> Tebow Talk says the climate crisis for modern leftists is similar to the economic collapse in Germany following World War One. It's just a gateway to genocide against humanity 
Yep, I think there's a lot there. G-Man says, I support kneeling and protest, but it needs to be followed up with action. Otherwise, it's just virtue signaling. I refuse to stand for the national anthem after returning from deployment for a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I imagine actually serving might change you. Uh, another one from Lion King intro. If Carter falls in love tonight, it can be assumed his carefree days with us are history. In short, our pal is doomed. All I right. have to admit, I'm Lion King intro. I'm just kidding. That's it sounds me. like you are. Another one from Lion King intro. Let every creature go for broken sing. Let's hear it from the herd and on the wing. It's going to be Carter and Carrie's finest fling. Oh, I can't. I just can't wait for a Kofefi. Oh, my God. Please, please stop. Oh, my God. One more from this guy or gal. Because they know you'll read it. Some channels don't read it. I know, I know. I don't mind. I will read it. I don't care. It's pretty funny. He or she says, you all have blue walls. Oh, God, you're all in the same house. So people say Carrie and I look like we're in the same house because our walls are the same. But you guys, actually, Sean's walls look similar (laughs) color. Um, People can't see it. But to me, Brian, the wall I'm staring at that people can't see is actually a darker blue like yours. Like a I think it was a darker blue. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to point out my walls are not blue. The light is blue. Oh. Ah, what are your wall walls? Is... Like a gray or something? My walls are gray. Yeah. Oh, all right. So a, cerulean, a cerulean blue. Oh, I made that God. up. That reminds me of that X-Files. <laughs> I think that's from the Pusher episode. That's where I'm getting that. Good call. Yeah, when he says cerulean, when he says the word cerulean, they can't see the thing. That's right. Right. That's where I'm getting. I yeah, that was in my head from somewhere. Good call. Files. Man. Uh, See, I have nerd creds in some very narrow areas, but that's it. Uh, Richard Petz says, "I'm all in for secession, even though I'm in Canada. But right now, I'd settle for a restraining order." (laughs) Uh, Super (laughs) Iron Bob says, "Scaring kids and scarring kids. Spelling is correct both ways here." Yep. That is true. And the last one we have to read says, Ce n'est pas un super chat. Please ignore. So thank you, Super Iron Bob. That that was not a super chat. Okay, we caught, we're caught up, Carrie. So yeah, mm-hmm. Alex Kashuta, K-A-S-C-H-U-T-A. It is Kashuta, um, okay. On, on Twitter. Um, it makes like, if you want to see what um, James is calling Pomo Trad, that's it. Okay. Thank okay. you. Alex Kashuda. I'm going to look up Alex Kashuda while we're talking. I shared an article with you guys. I don't know if there's anything else you want to hit today. We have a little bit of time left, but if nothing else, I did want to, did you see this article from the mom asking for advice? I saw Jack Posobiec shared it. I, I almost found... did a, an impromptu video on it yesterday. This article is amazing. <laughs> oh, no. Did you guys I've, see I've this? I did not see this. That, I've seen the headline, so I'm excited for whatever's in there. <laughs> Okay, so for anybody just listening and not watching, it's a. Uh, this was in where was this Beverly? Uh, this slate. Sl- slate. Yeah, God, I found a. Slate. I found a creepy list on my son's laptop, and I'm just gonna read some of this and then. Dude, read the whole thing. It. It's not that long. It's yeah. totally worth reading the whole question, not the answer. Dear, the dear, care and feeding. My son Jack, 14, has been maintaining a spreadsheet that tracks all of his classmates' problematic actions. Jack has always had difficulty fitting in, but he is a compassionate and intelligent boy. We do not allow our children to have their own computers to prevent the risk of them being radicalized by alt-right websites. Mm. So our kids share a laptop that we monitor and control access to. We found an Excel spreadsheet in Jack's folder that listed the names of all of his classmates, as well as dates and descriptions of their problematic behavior. 
some of the descriptions I saw include, quote, has a mom who is a cop, no pronouns in Insta bio, laughed at a fat joke, lists problematic show as one of their favorites, mimicked a foreign accent, and used cis-normative language. While Good I'm thing pleased- he's not watching Jordan Peterson. At least he stopped <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> While I'm pleased to see Jack taking an interest in his peers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best sentence ever. That's the most hippie, shitty parent sentence ever. While I'm pleased to see Jack taking an interest in his peers. Sorry, I, I, get I love a weird, this note. No, it's, I get a weird feeling about his spreadsheet. <laughs> As much as I don't condone the behaviors mentioned, it seems a bit creepy for him to be monitoring his classmates. I also, by the wonder... way, the behaviors she doesn't condone are having a mom who is a cop. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I just clarify? Okay. Uh, I also wonder what he's trying to do with the document. Another concern is that we are white, and some mm. of the kids on the list are black. Given the long history of white people policing black existence, I question whether Jack is the right person to be taking on this task and whether whether it would be more appropriate (laughs) coming from a BIPOC person. Oh, that's the problem. Oh, wow. Just have him email it to his black buddy. Right. We have asked Jack about the spreadsheet and he denies involvement. (laughs) But we know that it couldn't be anyone else. Am I right to be concerned about Jack's list? I don't know uh, that this is the best way for him to engage with his peers and promote social justice. (laughs) You don't? You don't know that? Okay. On the other hand, I'm proud of how committed he is to this cause. And I don't want to stop him from bearing witness to injustices within his own community. This is incredible. Productive. That's it. Sean, since me and you don't know where this is going, where do you think this is going? I have no idea. Oh, that's uh, the end. That's the question. That's the end. I know, but that's I meant the, the answer. The advice. Oh, the answer's what, not the, exciting. The advice, like, what do you think that they're going to tell him? I, 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 I have no idea. Honestly, this is this is actually really creepy. The, this is like a good read option. I have no idea whether the quarterback or the running back has the ball. Like, <laughs> I, I think, uh, think this is this is the this is the kid that grows up and snitches on their neighbors to send them to the gulag. <laughs> Right. I know. He's keeping a list and all that. It's 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 really creepy. Like as funny as it, oh, as no, it he, is. He rises to the next Dr. Fauci level in I think Slate's, what he does. Yeah. I think they'll give a tepid endorsement. That's my guess. That's mm. sort of how I would characterize it. From what I recall and the answer, he sort of it's it's not that the it's not that the ideology is bad. Here's what I don't like about the answer. He doesn't just flat out say like, like he views this behavior as a bug, not a, not a feature. So list taking, taking an account of the ways in which people don't live up to this puritanical belief system. The problem is that he wrote down a list. That's the, that's the, the gist yeah. I get from this. It's not that the ideology itself is bad. Yeah. So there's well, read this one there. line, Carrie. Yeah. If everything is on the up and up, then what does he have to hide? So the first, this the answer starts out by saying the fact that he's not, uh, like he's lying about his involvement is a huge red flag. So the big problem is he's lying about his involvement because if everything is on the up and up, what does he have to hide? Which I find is a fascinating response, right? Um, and and the the moronic the brain dead answer is threatened to delete it to to catch him in the lie because if he cares about it, he won't let you delete it. Which is like not understanding how anything like that doesn't make any sense. 
It says, um, well, here, look at this This one. It says, on a positive note, there are far worse things that Jack could be right. doing than this. And it <laughs> seems as if his heart is in the right place by being in the corner of marginalized groups. Okay. Yeah. He could use his energy to volunteer as a big brother, write for the school newspaper if they have one, or look for other opportunities. So basically, it's like social justice is good and it's good that he's interested in social justice. It's just bad that he's compiling a list of people's transgressions. Yeah. I mean, look, well, he he's is not even saying it's bad. He's saying, I just think the spreadsheet is something that could end up being bad news for him. So the answer is like, if someone finds out he's got a spreadsheet, it won't look good for him. That's kind of the answer. <laughs> I mean, right? Like he, he is so, he is a he is a lonely, <laughs> awkward uh, high schooler that's putting together a hit list. But I mean, think about it. If you're gonna put together a hit list, <laughs> at least it's not a problematic hit list. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Like then, then, that's then true. you'd have an issue. That that's cis normative language. You know, somebody's <laughs> got to do something about that. <laughs> What's heart's in the right place. What is cisnormative? Is that when the Lancet like uses birthing person instead of woman? Is that to fight cisnormativity? Oh well, yes, woman instead yes. of birthing person. That would be that would be uh, that's cisnormative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. When I, it, yeah. I think a lot of people uh, that even um, that hate Trump that even are might be slightly woke to BLM don't necessarily buy into all the trans stuff. Like yeah. I went to a football game where um, I thought about starting. I knew that all my friends were like my college friends were on the left. So I didn't start the um, let's go Brandon chant. But um, but they did mention like, what do you think about pronouns and how their kid applying to college had to do it? And they they were weirded out about it. And I said, it's compelled speech. I don't want it. Don't like it. And they they took those arguments in. So I've, the one thing that's not getting purchased, I'd say it's that because it, it gets too ridiculous like it's it's too much of a niche group and they're like demanding that everything be like changed for them and we don't typically make rules based on the exception we make it on like the rule what's generally true yeah it's it's like it's like saying that uh humans on average and i forgot who i got this from but humans on average have less than two legs like it's technically yeah. true right. because some people yeah. don't have two legs so the average would be less than two. But in reality, like humans are born normally with two legs, you know, 10 okay. fingers, 10 toes and all that. And we so can't. That means that there's more people with only one leg than there are guys that are totally packing. <laughs> right. Jeez. <laughs> That's exactly where your mind went, Brian. Thank you for that insight into That's your psychology. three-legged monster. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. Well, did you see the... Um, there's that superintendent at on the the Loudoun County in Loudoun County, Virginia, who who was getting um, criticism for basically covering up their alleged rapes, but they're not like alleged rapes rapes in the sense that they're someone mentioned it. Like they've been reported to the police and, and under active investigation, um, a uh, a girl was allegedly raped once and then sexually assaulted another girl in in the I don't even know if I don't even know how to talk about this in the women's restroom but it's not the women's restroom anymore it was a guy in a skirt who identified right. as trans and um when he when the superintendent was confronted at school meetings just kind of denied that it's ever been a problem and that he, he was like I'm unaware of any 
pro- any problems. And one one of the parents actually ended up getting um, thrown out, pretty irate and yeah. escalating and thrown out of the meeting because his daughter was the one that was raped by this this guy. Um, no and I wonder think, he freaked out. <laughs> yeah, the more yeah. they push this kind of crap, uh, I think. I, it gets hard to defend when they do. I, I think the trans stuff, because people have kids and they don't want their kids assaulted and it gets hard to defend this kind of crap. Right. Yeah. And if you gave some like corporation a loophole on how not to pay taxes or something, they're going to take it. Right. And that you're going to see abuse of something if you open this up. Like if you say, look, we're not going to penalize shoplifting for what, $900 or less. Guess what? You've just created an impetus for people to do this. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And here, although maybe this wasn't a problem because they say, oh, trans bathrooms, it wasn't a problem before. Well, maybe it wasn't. But if you're going to then not have any rules on this, like you're literally going to create a loophole for predators to use. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this concept of convergence um, where social justice type people uh, will infiltrate an organization. And we usually talk about it in the sense of like, businesses and people will say, well, why aren't they doing this? Cause this hurts their profits. And you have to explain, well, once they've been taken over by these ideologues, profits no longer are their goal. Spreading the ideology is their goal. But that's the same thing for a nonprofit organization for a school whose goals might've been teach kids and keep kids safe. Those get usurped by spread the ideology and the safety of your child is less important than spreading the ideology. Teaching your child is less important than spreading the ideology. That's what convergence is. I, I do want to point out that the 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 issue with the story, obviously what happened to that girl was horrible. But the mm-hmm. issue with the story isn't necessarily that this happened. Like predators, you know, they're going to ignore right. the sign if that's what they want to do. It actually doesn't have a lot to do with the whole trans stuff. Like the ha- this hap- this person happened to be either transgender or posing as a transgender but that's not really the relevant part the relevant part is that because the school administration saw this as a transgender perpetrator their instinct was to cover it up so that you wouldn't view trans people as predators which is more nefarious because most trans people like most people want to use whatever bathroom like you know if you like Every every girl I've ever known, like if the line for the women's bathroom is really long, they'll just hop in the men's bathroom. Like that's what most of their issue is about. But the school cracking down on the father and trying to cover up this assault because they it goes against their yeah. ideological preconceptions. That's the problem. And the father didn't get thrown out of the meeting. He got arrested. He got yeah. arrested for talking about what happened to his daughter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he got arrested and th- he got thrown out and arrested. Yeah, and you can see um, why they're I mad. Agree I mean, with that. Yeah. And the the uh, opposing argument is like straw man that like somehow conservatives or, or libertarians or whatever want that you can only use the bathroom that that you were like your sex assigned at birth. Like Blair White has proved that to be complete BS by walking into the men's restroom and then getting tossed out. So obviously that's not going to work. Before it was just you're picking the one that generally you fit into and then nobody notices because everybody blends in. But when you allow this crazy, like non-binary thing to where you don't have to transition, oh, but I'm a woman or something, and then go hang out with 13-year-old girls, I'm sorry, that's just creepy AF. It just is. Yeah. No, it, it's true. And I think the, the issue is more like showers and like sports and all that where where – that's when we're we're playing like games with denying reality because like yeah. men and women are biologically different and like 
competing against each other. I mean, we heard about the spa thing. I actually had somebody reach out to me telling me that it was actually there and they told me not to say their name. So if they reached out to any of you, don't say anything. But they told me that their daughter was the person that was flashed by this person with a full beard that was claiming to be a woman. All right. Like they actually went to that we spa thing. So like it's it's uh like that's that's where we really get into that. But more importantly, it is the school covering up this assault because of the transgender issue, even more so than like an individual instance happened, because now like it's now you know that you're going to have some kind of institutional protection if you yes. act as a predator in this way. It's kind of like um, like Catholic priests that use the veneer of the religiosity yes. to get away with their bad behavior. We're now seeing that with the new religion and the new like uh, and, and the new like uh, I forgot what the word is for it, um, which are the trans people or people who are, are posing to be like the trans people. Like, God yes. forbid anybody gets assaulted by a black trans midget in a wheelchair. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're that exactly would be right. off narrative. Yeah, no, and the that's the point of the story, right? It's the cover the institution up. will protect them. Mm -hmm. And that analogy to the Catholic yeah. Church protecting priests is dead on. I had not thought of it that way, but it's exactly what it is. They're and protecting did you, them. Did you guys see that thing that's coming out of Yale where there's a second year Native American law student that's now in a bunch of trouble for saying, um, for inviting a bunch of people to a party, um, which he called the trap house? And I'd never heard of anything about this, but apparently Trap House has some weird connection, at least some people say with blackface. And then of course, and he said, we're gonna have American foods like apple pie and fried chicken, which they again associated with black. So I guess only you can only eat fried chicken if you're black. Anyways, so he's Native American, which is, you know, that's the BIPOC right there at the top, black indigenous. Yeah. But either way, he's been, they're calling to um, for him to be suspended from student government because he refused to apologize to the black, um, the black student leadership over, you know, that the, this, this racist incident. But anyways, when he was in the student affairs, when he got called later for student affairs, they told him, well, you know, why don't you just please apologize? And they said, you know, the one good thing you've got going for you is that you are a person of color. If you were white, this would be much more serious issue. Like, holy wow. S, right? I mean, that's crazy. Like, so it just, it proves that that point that you're right, that they are, if this was a, a white person, if this is a non, you know, person that fits the norm, then you can go after them. But if you are the black trans midget or whatever, they, it's, you can't touch them. Yeah, I, I, the, the, first of all, like apple pie is not a black food and fried chicken is stare. It's weird that they take the negative stereotypes and they're like, no, no, that is our thing. The thing yeah. that used to be a racist for associating with us. That is our thing. But good for the native. I'm very happy that he's not so reserved when it comes to this issue. Like, well, you know, he was a Republican. Like, he was a member of the Federalist Society. So I think so. That was one of his negatives. So I guess that probably hurt his intersectional cred. And, and he, that is, he, he is a gambler. His... And, you know, like when you're when you're a gambler, the house always wins. <laughs> yeah, right? he's a drunk gambler. So yeah. what are you going to do? Um, so he's, 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 he's it is it's, it's, it's no reservations to be clear. about standing up to these people because he thinks in the long haul he'll win. So right. <laughs> so just to be clear, I, try, I just looked it up. A trap house is a place where illegal drugs are sold. And this is this is what's interesting to me is they what you just said, Sean, they take these negative like that's a they not a good it. thing. And they've yeah, and they said, Oh, you mean it's a black thing. It's like no. Are you saying that a place where illegal drugs are sold is somehow inherently a black thing? No. You're saying that, right? <laughs> that's you're it. creating it.
not you, Sean, right? Yeah, right. But they're saying it by 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 making that association, and that happens a lot. There's a few other cases like this. Yeah, they're not coming ghetto. to mind, but I see it, this a lot. They don't yeah. like the word ghetto, and they say that that's a racist term that's towards right. black people. But that's not what ghetto means. It's not ghetto. Used to be they used to talk about uh, uh, ghettos during you know in Nazi Germany. Yeah, the Warsaw ghetto, ghetto is right. the Warsaw ghetto. Yeah. There's not. But they will take it and they will assign it. And what we've seen also is, I'm sure you guys have seen these lists. If you don't know, if if maybe a word used to have a racist etymology or a racist connotation, but it's lost that over time and it no longer has that meaning and nobody knows that meaning, they will dig it up and do lists and say, these words are racist, don't use them. And they imbue these words with racism mm. again. So we they'll periodically put out these lists like BuzzFeed and stuff and they're like, 25 racist phrases you should stop using it'll be stuff like cakewalk and wow. grandfathered in and you're like wow. why why are you imbuing racism well, into this gr thing? grandfathered in is like the grandfather clause after the civil war when they were trying to restrict blacks from voting you you're racist right. but That's I, I, what they would say, yeah yeah i like the I, I like the idea that um that uh if you catch somebody on this campus smoking crack like in the bathroom then the issue wouldn't be that they're smoking crack. The issue would be whether or not that's cultural appropriation since they're taking <laughs> the most like, negative aspects of people's cultures and saying like, that's ours. That's the problem that you're trying to use it. But it was funny because like trap house, I ran through like a bunch of different definitions and I forgot about the drug connotation. Like that's a terrible connotation. for oh, it. There's a trans trap too. Yeah. Right, that's, that's what I thought it was the trans trap. <laughs> I just looked up trap house like as a phrase and then that's what came up. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, no, that that is. I, I I remember um I remember that was what was used constantly in the Brianna Taylor like paperwork, what like what they were surveilling. But yeah, like the idea that like you own trap houses. First of all, I mean I, I would think the Hispanics own that. I mean the cartels. Like, <laughs> and like, right. Why, why, why wouldn't you the Mets trap house people? be white? Huh? Wouldn't a meth trap house be pretty white too? Yeah, I yeah. think so. It would be a redneck. Yeah. All right. So weird. Maybe you can use the word ghetto though if you're like um if you were quoting Herbert Macuza and promoting repressive tolerance that says that the you know the revolution will be led by the ghetto blacks, then maybe you could use the word ghetto in a possibly good way. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's why I like reading Thomas Sowell cuz he doesn't care. He's That's like, right. He's like, here's what's going on. He's like, here's what's going on in the in in the black ghettos. Like, here, here's what's going on. Like, he doesn't care. He, and he says ghetto blacks, right? Yeah. And he he says and Thomas Sowell's book that um, it what black rednecks, white liberals. Yeah. That's from 2000, but that's an excellent read and talks about how much of like the KKK stuff and a lot of this bad culture is coming from the badlands of England and Scotland's in like the 1700s. Yeah, like the, it's. It, it, that a lot of the things that we try to preserve the negative aspects of black culture because it would be cultural genocide not to like and people have made the argument that they actually descend from Africa. It No, it descends yeah. from where the white southerners descend from. And yep. like he documents all these different black populations that don't act like this and that when confronted with the southern behavior reacted just the same way that white white northerners reacted to white southerners because they're like what the hell are you guys doing like what's, mm -hmm. like, what's wrong it's a it's a fantastic read and it, it is mm. and he talks about like the this compulsion in society to try to preserve negative aspects of people's cultures that yeah. we did not like as a as a country we did not tolerate from white southerners like we actually had right. expectations that they would behave in accordance with 
northern productive norms. It's like the Protestant work ethic versus the borderlands of Scotland and England kind of uh, kind of ideals. Right. And brings up points of like in 1890, for example, because they teach of like this racism. And in 1890s, Detroit, they're like it was not segregated by race. It was segregated only by class. So you have black, rich black people living with rich white people and, and so on down the line. And, and you have black people actually getting elected to office by 95 percent white electorate in Detroit yeah. in 1890. It's Wow. But then what happens is this great migration comes up from the South. There's a completely different culture. And then in order to deal with this, then they make the racist decision to segregate by race, which screws yeah. all of the people. And like the, the black people that were existing there were is upset with these people as the white people. But then everything then just got chosen well, by race. Th there's an article that he cites in there that is from the like a, a black newspaper in Chicago and if you read it and you ignore the fact that this was written by a black person, you're like, this is the most racist article ever because it's just scathing about how yeah. these like Southerners are acting when they come up here. And it's not just it's not just black Americans like this happened uh, when Hungarian Jews moved into Brooklyn. The Germanic Jews felt like their behavior was not was giving them a bad reputation. And like they made it a point to like go there and teach them like the norms because they're like. We were living in the Upper West Side comfortable. Nobody had a problem with us. Then you guys came in here with bad habits from Hungary. And yeah. like that made people more anti-Semitic against us. So like it, it is like we, we tend to think of like, quote unquote, progress as linear. But in reality, it's like it's fits and starts, fits and starts, because that's the history of minority populations in the world, not just within the United States. Like it is OK. And then it's not OK at some point. But yeah. Like, he mentions like an Ulster County, like that again from this the Scottish lowlands and the British badlands, that they these boats would come over and try to land at Boston, and like they would the the harbors would they would erupt into a riot and not let the ship land. So white people didn't want these people either, and they'd force them south and they'd dock at Charleston and then they'd let them in. <laughs> Probably the funniest thing is that um, there was there was like somebody went down to the south to investigate why so many little steamboats were blowing up That's so like, good. because there was like one one blow up of a steamboat in the north in like 15 20 years but in the south there was like 30 like a year and they're like what the hell is going on down there and it turns out that southerners were drag racing the steamboats yeah so when, when like when soul makes the case that like every aspect every negative aspect or almost every negative aspect comes from white southern culture like he proves it out in there hey I'm just saying. Right? Yeah, they would solder down the valves. I used to think it was steel while these steamboats were blowing up. But yeah, Sean's right. It's because they were drag racing them and soldering down the valves and then the boilers would blow. Yeah. So like firemen like that worked on these boats, he's like, man, you ain't been nothing unless you've been on one of these southern these southern uh, steamboats. Like, it's crazy. Like, and that was the culture. This and that's rough and tumble fighting, like all of his duels. They they depict um southern editors of southern newspapers with a gun in one hand and a pen quill in the other, because they would write like some opinion on somebody and they challenge them to a duel. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you got this hardcore honor culture. Well, and my, one of my other favorite ones is the guy. He, some German guy unfortunately ended up in the South because Germans mostly went into the Midwest and all that, which is why all the breweries and cheeses in Wisconsin. 
But there are a um, lot of Germans in Texas, though. That came yeah, Texas. but yeah, this is this is the thing. Is like back then, so some some people of Germanic descent ended up in the South. So they hire a Southerner to to come and fix something in their house, right? And as Thomas Stoll points out, the idea that you don't show up on time was a distinctly Southern thing. So yep. this guy doesn't show up for like three months to fix his house. So the guy goes, all right, I'm going to hire somebody else. He's never coming. Within a day, this guy rounded up a posse to go kill the guy for hiring somebody else because he disrespected him. Yep, he was uh, dissed. Yeah, he's dissed, <laughs> according, according to Soul. That's what, see, this, you're, I haven't read this book yet. It's on my list. I really want to read it. But you're reinforcing some things that I already believed, which is that being from South Carolina, a lot of the things that I hear referred to as uh, part of black culture or um, like sometimes people will call uh, CP time, if you heard this. Color people time, yeah. Color people time. But that's actually Southern yeah. time. Like that's how yeah. the South is. And that's just how it is. And when I was in Tanzania, they called it um, African time. But it was this sort of a, a cultural like, People are just, I think that's, that is totally a Southern thing to be a little bit, to stretch time a little bit more and to consider it disrespectful to, for someone to rebook you, assuming you're not going to come just because you're late. <laughs> Three weeks <laughs> or, late. Same thing with food. A <laughs> lot of the months. food that, yeah, the food that gets called soul food or things that there are just different things that I, I think that have been attributed to black community. And it's true. It is true black Southern community, but it's more, it's true of white Southern people as well. Yeah. White Southern cool. people keep hot sauce in their bag. White Southern people eat the same foods that get called black foods. It's it's just yeah, it's the Southern thing. I, I have a I have a friend and like he's dating this doctor from Tennessee. And he was like, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't he's my friend's black. He's like, I don't understand. Like, he's like, he's like, I get along with them so well. And then I go to go to see his family and like they all love me. And he's like, I love all the food. I'm like, dude, because that's your culture. Like, I know that you're like, you grew up as like a New York black person, but like, that's why you get along with this dude. Like that, like, that's what it yeah. is. And he's like, it is true. Like, and I actually gave him the book and all that. And he's like, oh my, it's like eye opening for him. Like, because people yeah. just assume like because it gets reinforced that that's a part of like black culture but like look at the foods look at the like nobody eats yeah. collard greens in the north like yeah. just look look what? at all this stuff <laughs> right. yeah so whoever like asked in the chat for recommendation books like soul's book that one is i would highly recommend it especially because it gives you and i they they immerse you like when he tells the story you you feel like you're immersed in that culture and Dan Carlin does another, he does a really good job of immersing you in the culture that like, he's trying to figure out like, why did, why did Japanese like do kamikazes, but nobody else does. The Germans don't, nobody else. And he, he gives you a picture of like Japanese culture and how, when you're raised in this environment, you might do this, yeah. you know? And that's so weird. And how it was a specific like 40 year project to kind of get this going. And, Although we're not in that same extreme, but I think this wokeism, like, yeah, you can radically change a culture when you start to indoctrinate. Yeah. Well, it's it's also like, you know, in a lot of Asian cultures, it's to like the idea of like dying honorably is way more preferable to living as a coward. Yeah. Like this yeah. is why you see the suicide rates are so high. I mean, I don't know if you guys have gotten to Squid Game. Like, have you guys seen it? Not yet, but I'm excited. Oh. There, there, there's a reason that the character in there is one of my favorite characters and it's just because like i know a lot of asians and like they're very reflective of asian culture and all that it's specifically all, my friends are korean over here i live in a korean neighborhood and you're like oh yeah i'm like yeah they would totally do this makes sense <laughs> <laughs> wow 
Yeah, I just those are those are good examples. Just I, I, that's what I worry about the indoctrination. Like, it, and we have to push back at it. And that's the whole point of like better discourse is to get different. Like, you you have to listen to the other side. And I think that even our side that there are re, there are some critiques that are are somewhat valid, um, and you have to listen to them. I think that there are there is a there's a point to the woke that there's certain critiques that are right, but their, their solution for them is, is wrong. So what's an example? Like, I mean, for, for example, you could say like the fact that they've pointed out, you know, why, why do, why are black people not taking the vaccine? Right. You know, you point that out, is that systemic racism? But if you look back, there is a point where you black people in some ways both want a strong federal government, but they also distrust the government things like Tuskegee and things like, um, redlining and this and that like they they've been screwed over a lot so you you might not trust these you know the the establishment as well now the solution for that isn't to say we tear down like the medical structure and reform it as anti-racist that the the solution is okay yeah the, that should happen but it doesn't happen anymore and just keep doing what you're doing you see what i'm saying oh, so you're so they're not yeah, I just I don't view that as a woke point. Like everyone on both sides knows about Tuskegee. Well, let's take Tuskegee, the critique so. of like um, like Bernie Sanders kept bringing up the college debt thing. Right. I didn't see the Republicans or people talking about this. Like there is a legit point that Bernie has that we're wasting putting people in one hundred fifty thousand dollars of debt and they are taking feminist dance theory or something and they aren't going to make much money. Well, that, he wouldn't make that point criminal. specifically. But yeah. Huh? He wouldn't criticize feminist dance theory, though. Right, he wouldn't criticize the feminist debt. dance theory, but but he's his point is right. But now his solution is make college free. That's that's BS. Like the solution or, is is wrong. But like he's right, he's pointed at something. Well, even yeah, even, again though, I don't think that like maybe Republicans don't talk about that, but like I, I know a lot of people that aren't on the left that have been complaining about the increasing costs of college and talking about why and the uselessness of college and why it's not worth going anymore. And like the college problem is also kind of well-known. I'm the reason I'm pushing back is I actually don't hear anything new coming from the woke side. Like I never hear them present a problem that I go, Oh yeah, we never noticed that. What a great point you're making. It's always complaints that everyone knows and it's justification Mm -hmm. for more authoritarianism but but to, to, that, to that point about student loan debt i'm sorry carrie but to that point ahead. about student loan debt the idea that um the the idea that we're spe- that people are going into debt for college and that debt is not dischargeable is a problem so like we're like i think what brian's arguing is that they're identifying the problem yet their solutions like specifically not, not even like the free public colleges but the debt forgiveness like that is not a solution because what happens after the schools or after the government forgives all of this debt yeah. and like nothing changes in that the government is still giving people all this money to go to school when they should not be lending. Like nobody should lend you $200,000 to study like, you know, feminist dance theory or even film or like, you know, some of these things have value, but they just don't produce that much money. They don't make sense to do is that if you f- forgive this, then the incentive is for people to borrow more to go to school because eventually the government's just going to forgive it again. So, you know, 10 yeah. years from now, 15 years from now, instead of 1.6 trillion in student loan debt, we're going to have 2.5 trillion and people are going to be demanding that they get that debt forgiven. It's very similar to Ronald Reagan doing amnesty in the 80s. That covered like 2 to 3 million people and that creates a magnet that if you come into the United States illegally and you stay here long enough eventually there'll be some form of amnesty yeah 
So you're perpetuating the problem with their solution, but he's saying he agrees on what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I and think... I, I don't disagree with any of that. I'm just saying I don't think I need Bernie Sanders to tell me. Yeah. That. Like, I don't need Bernie pointing out the problem. Like, I see a lot of people who aren't on the left who've been aware of that problem and talking about that problem. Now, Bernie gets a lot more press when he talks about the problem. So he's certainly elevated it to the national level. But I think that's more of a function of the fact that the mainstream media loves Bernie or leftists generally, maybe they don't love Bernie, but you know, he's more in line with what's going to play. Whereas if Thomas Sowell talks about the problems with college, you know, mm. no one will ever rerun anything he has to say about it. Cause yeah, I, not think, supposed to I think Brian's point was that just that the left do agree about what, about problems with the right, or let's say even those who are in this authoritarian mindset who maybe don't realize they're in an authoritarian ideology they do sometimes agree they have overlap on what the problems are and that to me is a doorway that's an opportunity to help wake up people pull people out of that belief system who don't understand what it is in my opinion or to at least to find common ground because they will agree like whether you're talking about like homelessness is a great one they identify that homelessness is a problem but i think their solutions are totally wrong mm -hmm. and they also in their echo chamber they are indoctrinated to believe that the people who aren't in their ideology don't care about homelessness. That's not true. It's that their solutions are different. And so you're told not to listen to their solutions. You're told they don't care at all because they have different solutions. Same thing about minimum wage. They believe conservatives don't care about people. And it's like, no, they do. That's why they hold the position they have about minimum wage. It's because they care about people. Yeah. So I do work. There's yeah, an opportunity I, I don't disagree there. with that. I, I didn't think that was the point. I, I agree with right. that. I thought the point was, they're the only ones identifying the problems. Therefore, that's why right. they need to. And that's that's what I was going to like point out. That that's And this is what I say to adherence to critical theory is you don't need critical theory to do social justice, to, to look at, examine these problems, just like Carter said. Like you don't you don't need woke to do that. You can find them right. without it. Right. Right. You know, and, and you don't. Because, because they, none of these problems like, are like, woke did not. No woke person is the first person talking about these. People on both sides of the aisle, some more than others, have been talking about all these problems prior to the uh, mass rollout of woke everywhere. Yeah. But then they identify it differently. So, I mean, you've got this like big pustule on your hip and and like both sides say, oh, well, that's bad. But one side is saying, oh, that's cancer. And the other one says, no, it's a bed sore. Like in that they so this has completely different things Like, because the homeless problem might actually be a drug problem. You know, like and the fact that nobody can agree on that really impedes problems, you know, that impedes progress. So that's a whole point of like having discussion. Sean's really good at this. Like when he had an immigration discussion with people on the left, he had discussion um, with, uh, you know, police violence and like, you know, over policing. Like Sean's really good at being able to engage with the other arguments and, um, and push something forward. And that I, that's that's why that's why you're so good at this, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That, yeah, that you are a superstar at that. I, I I do agree with you. He is. I mean, I, oh my god, flattery. As moderator, I was just listening. What did he do? Like, flattery will get you guys everywhere with me. <laughs> Remember the immigration debate at, at Better Discourse with him and uh, and Michael Gonzalez? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. He yeah. Sean has a lot of information and statistics in his head, and is oh. also really good at moving those things around and forming arguments with them quickly. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, yeah. I was at our second event with Riley Roshong about policing, and that that was also excellent. So yeah, any place if you want to know what's going on in some kind of 
crazy police case that's in the news that Fitzgerald's the, the, the source. Oh, th- I, I appreciate that. That's, that's very kind. I was, I was actually in Dallas recently. I did the Sydney and Elijah's new show. The only reason I'm getting invited on is because of that panel. So thank oh, really? you. Yeah. Oh, you, you thanks, make your man. connections and all that. That's cool. Uh, and they brought it up too. Like, uh, and I was like, Oh, we have an extra chair. Where's Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Can I that's just awesome. one thing I want to throw out as I was thinking about this as we were talking about the you know wokes and the woke and the problems and what the discussions. I think fundamentally what's shifted for me is a lot of the times I don't view a lot of the people speaking woke as actually here to have a conversation, but to react psychologically and emotionally to something. And so um I found it much easier to speak to a non-woke Marxist, uh, even though mm-hmm. I think Marxism is, you know, vile and disgusting, um, because they're at least intending to use their brain and have a conversation where we communicate to one another about ideas. And the, the what seems to be a recurring theme with trying to speak to some of the modern woke people is that I'm dealing with someone who's just manifesting a psychological dysfunction and they're in, they have no interest in exchanging ideas, learning anything from me or communicating in a way that I could learn. They just are, uh, they're just reacting and like, it's like an emotional puke at me. Um, and so they'll go to ad hominem right away or they'll evade and like switch the subject. Like they won't have a sincere, honest discussion. And I think that's why you have so much trouble getting woke people to show up on a panel because I think they know they're not good at conversation. And if you're following, if they're Marcuseites, you know, that the whole point is to not engage in the conversation, is to block right. one side and, and only promote the other side. Funnily enough that you mentioned Marxist, Peter Coffin, who is a Marxist, is coming to the Better Discourse event. He's on the censorship panel. Again, yeah, it, you're right. The, the people that it's not right and left. In this case, he he's all about free speech. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, uh, I'd be excited. When, when is this event? Maybe you should maybe you should promote it more. Yeah. <laughs> or, or do like do like who, I said. Who will be there? Where you hmm. where you ask the attendees to promote it because you know. I know, I know. Like I, the, the, now, I'm getting ridiculously shameless. But but I am a salesperson, so I yeah. guess I'm just gonna do it anyways. But on November sixth, that's coming up. What that's maybe what seventeen days or so. November sixth, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, Better Discourse three. If you Google that Better Discourse event, it will come right up. You can get tickets. They they are um, one hundred twenty five dollars, but it is worth it because you get to hang out all day, um, have conversations with um, people that you didn't like. It's really really fun. It's not like going to your typical like I don't know sit and listen. Like I, I paid two hundred dollars or two hundred fifty dollars extra for a Jordan Peterson meet and greet, and I got to talk to him for thirty seconds. So this is way better than that. Um, and. If you're anywhere in the area, it's it's worth coming. So Sean's going to be there. Also, Carrie Smith is going to be there. Um, but Elijah, Sydney, um, Destiny, um, who else? Um, Libby Emmons. Libby Emmons. Uh, Ar- Ariel. Is it Ariel? So it's, Stella, apparently it's, it's Ariel, like the Little Mermaid, because I <laughs> I got in trouble because I, when when she left the left, I was calling her Ariel Scario because I'm terrible with name pronunciation. <laughs> so 
Okay. Awesome. That's so Ar- Ariel, Ariel Scarzella, um, Jack Vasovic. Um, James Lindsay. Yep. James Lindsay, Sarah Gonzalez. Um, Lauren Chen is on the Justin list. Justin Gibson, Lauren Chen. Yep. Escaping from Canada to come see us. Melissa, Melissa Chen. Chen. The Chen. All the both, Chens. Both yep. members Mia of the, Chen the All the Chens. Lisa Reynolds, Sydney Watson, and, and Elijah. And a guy named Chandler who is a rapper. Or something. I don't know. Um, so we're, we're going to trust out somebody new. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also would just make a plea for Texans to come and support because I want you guys to do more of these in Texas in the interest of supporting, like I want to get, Carter knows this, but I know we can't stop the flow of people here. I see the effects every day in my neighborhood, people moving here. I at least want to get more wrong thinkers here. So uh, come support. Is this the the first time you guys have been out of the U S and into Texas? Um, We're, we usually do it in Milwaukee. Um, and we, we did one in Kenosha, but we did we did one in um, in New Jersey, and we, we uh, Tim Pool was at that one, and and um, it got a lot of pub because like twelve days prior to the um, the conference itself, like Antifa put it out on the website and got us canceled. So we we lost our venue, I think, with nine days to go, and had to like scrap one out, which is one of the problems. Like like we don't always know when we when people are like, where is this. Like we're thinking about actually releasing the venue because sometimes it's hard to sell tickets when, when people are, when you don't have, um, you know, cause we don't always say where we're going. So we're actually thinking about telling people this time, just cause it's, it's a little bit weird to buy a ticket and, you know, you're told Not the now. location of the venue at eight o'clock the, the day before. You say tomorrow. the town or something at least, don't you? Or no, no we, we yeah. gave the zip code. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're, you're, you're Dallas-Fort Worth, yeah, the town, if, right. If you're count, if you're confident in the venue, then like, you know, that they won't drop you. Cause that's like another thing you have to factor. You're like, you don't want to last week be looking for a new venue. Like, right, right, right. Again. So we, we're going to put that out. We're actually going to tweet out the venue this time because um, we're, we're going to do it. I could look that up, but um, Sean's the one that always um, is booking that. But yeah, that's traditionally why we hadn't done it. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, no, seriously, like you you guys we're, ask, we're secure on this venue now. You, we're not going to lose this you, venue. You got to so. ask the creators to say something. They'll all do it if you just remind them. Like, okay, crazy. So just ask them. Just right. Like, hey, we'll tell them you're going to be there. They'll do it. Okay. The um, what you're talking about about a lot of social justice ideology being about preventing conversation. That's also, I mean, that's what that is in practice. Is you know them threatening venues and trying to get events canceled. It's not enough that they don't they don't want to come and have a microphone. They also don't want you to be able to go and hear anyone there. Right. And it's it's just, just I don't know. I, I I know we all know this. I just point it out because there are still people in to, to get back to what do we sometimes have in common with the woke. There are people I know in it who are very well intentioned. That's why intentions do matter to me, because I know the ones with good intentions they can be persuaded. They have an open mind. And everyone I know who's left the social justice cult was someone who was in it with good intentions, who thought that they were in a movement for ending racism and sexism and not realizing they were being used as puppets to push those things. And there's all different reasons why people end up in it. But there are definitely people in it who don't realize what it is yet. And when you point out things like, hey, why don't you guys ever come and speak at these events? Why do you have to shut them down? Why do you? Yeah, the ones with bad intentions, they don't care. They want to shut it down. But the yeah. ones with good intentions, those questions make them think. And you like, know, and there's some that, that like Justin Gibson is a person who on the left that is coming. And I 
if all the people like who's the wokest person going to be, I'd say it's him. Like oh, yeah. he's fairly woke. But the thing is, I think the ones that you can tell about whether they have good intentions, if they treat you well. And he does. He like, although we disagree on a ton of stuff, he's never been a jerk to me. He's like always nice to me and he's invited me to his stuff. So those kind of people, yeah, I'll engage with all the time, even woke or not. So the, yeah. those people will come to the event. We, it's Justin's rare though. Yeah, Justin he came be, on a Justin show can... of ours, which is unusual, right? He, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he could be a really good guy. Somebody's asking when and where. He just said it, November sixth, Dallas, Fort Worth area. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'll add what Sean wasn't saying. You moron, listen up. Hey, <laughs> it was it was in his tone. Sean was like, he just said it. He did. And then he realized he shouldn't say the next part, so he kept it in. Right. I, I just can't think of that. I'm trying to think of the dang thing because Sean, Sean is the one that booked the hotel and I can't think of the name of it. I'll have to hang on. I can look it up because we are going to release it. So I could I could tell you guys first. But I gotta... Don't don't release the hotel. Don't release the Yes. You did say hotel. Okay. My bad. He's like, he's like, come, he's like go, go, go hang out with them in their room. Like, you know. <laughs> Shots in 512. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Um, well, they won't even say, get up. Your, your if any of it. you guys are have any time in Fort Worth, just a little tip. If you're if you're not at the conference the whole time and you have any extra days, there's a really great handmade boot maker there you should go to. It's uh ML Letty's. So I don't get anything by saying that. I'm just telling you. That's what I would do if I was in Fort Worth also is fun. I will like, say the fall weather in Texas, having just been there at the beginning of the month, unbelievable. It's like, great. I was it's in there in July. Miserable. Horrible. Yeah. All the humidity. But uh, you guys picked the right months. November. Perfect. And it's a cool city. And there's there's lots of good food. And yeah. Brian, someone wants to know if you'll be having a trap party there. Um, <laughs> trap party. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could create one. Um, I'm not a second year um, Yale Native American law student, but, but you know, if there if there's some demand, like who knows? Yes, but it'll be the trans kind of trap party. <laughs> also, I will say Texas has Mexican food, like Tex-Mex. They have that. They have that figured out. They solve that puzzle. I, yes. I I had a 16 hour brisket taco when I was in there, like. uh like you know where they they cook the brisket over 16 hours unbelievable and it was just like a random place near the aquarium so shout okay. out to that random place near the aquarium in dallas there's also okay. a place in fort worth that has like 15 different kinds of chicken fried steak on the menu oh and you can God. get any kind like one's doused in queso like you can get it with brisket on it like just it's pretty good um <laughs> yeah and sean is not getting back to me right away so i don't know we might just have to put out in our twitter which is myth informed mk but it's in in fort worth on november 6th like if you're any if you're thinking about if you're even on the fence you should totally buy a ticket because they are a ton of fun i come out of these always super energized um and they're a lot of fun i mean well, and, email and, me and, with the venue and i'll put it in the show description okay and energizes brian's word for drunk because he comes out of these all drunk <laughs> I see. that is true what that is true. it's a long remind day me. though i usually stay up to like four in the morning it's a lot of fun no. remind me who's Lori lightfoot the, the mayor, mayor, of or mayor of chicago oh right okay beetlejuice <laughs> She was the one that uh, she was the one that Biden misgendered the other day. Right. Somebody uh -huh. said, she, Ross says a trap party is what Lori Lightfoot calls sex. 
Oh, sorry. I was going to read that I'm one. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> was I she, remember she like said she was only going to take um, interviews from reporters of color? Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah she, she didn't want, she didn't want to be one-on-one -on -one with any white, white people. And That's then right. Lori Lightfoot's white wife was like, damn. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, well, thank um, you guys for being here with us today. We're gonna yeah. read through some super chats. You don't have to stick around if you don't want to, but, but you can. Or you're it welcome. Might yeah, it might be you some for know. you. Uh, uh, all right, let's see. Let me. Oh, I have to reload it. Sorry. Um, what was the last one we did? Just to be clear, oh, I'm going to read some once in a while. And they okay. may not be in order. I, know, I see the last one. You don't, okay. You can jump in whenever. B. Allen said $5 says there's a difference between knowing the name of something and knowing something. Yes. Knowing the name of something and knowing something. Yes, true. Yeah. No, that is I'll true. Fight. That's that's how I feel about the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is the extended late night portion. I of know. Our show. What's going on today, Carrie? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I'll buy you naked. Says gobble gobble gobble. One of us. One of us. That's a great movie. And uh, Super Iron Bob says Leonard French has a video on a recent student debt forgiveness. Courts need to be reminded that it's forgivable. Also, forgive it all using university endowments. Yeah. That right. If they're going to do any kind of forgiveness, I totally agree with that. The universities have to like be paying part of that too. That's okay. yeah. There's no there's if the taxpayers have to bail that out. Yeah, I'm going to be mad. Oh, if the taxpayers that. bail that out, it is the opening Pandora's box to just just like mass destruction. I mean, I I hate to say this, but it would not be bad for America if all of the universities died. And oh. we had to rebuild. Like that I, would not be bad. There I, are, I, like, I, I will say that, like, you know, there's something wrong with the university when every degree costs the same amount of money, right? No matter That's what right. your ending salary, if you go to this university, like you're paying for the same credits and all that, and like people don't realize how weird that is. That's a because good point. I'd never. You're thought now a doctor, good. and you are a lesbian dancer, or whatever we just said. We I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah, actually, really remember point. we talked about, of all the PhDs, I know a PhD, she's the wife of a very woke comedian I used to work with, and her PhD is in food dance. Food? <laughs> yeah. Food dance. Food and dance, yes. Uh, G-Man. Oh, food and dance, not food dance. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were but, talking about, like, you know that Japanese dish where they the octopus still has some nerves active and they pour the soy sauce on him and he dances? I thought there's maybe a whole PhD. Maybe there was a class on that. Like a Why? rain dance, but for food. Why okay. does he do that? What does this dancing octopus say about privilege? Like these are all important classes in that course. I think so. Yeah. There's definitely a PhD in there somewhere. She does. They dance about they dance about food and they dance about privilege. Mm. Um, G Man says people go to school. You know, to it's a, a privilege to dance about food. I just want to point that out, and it's even more <laughs> of a privilege to be able to pay to dance about food. <laughs> well, there's no there's no mention of trans in the octopus literature that I've read either, so it's just normative. <laughs> people go to school to get a job and buy a house, so let's cut out the middleman and just buy everyone a house instead of forgiving student debt. 
Yeah, you, houses aren't always assets, especially when, I mean, I don't know if I should show you my property tax bill, but not everyone wants a house. They don't want us to for own good property. Yeah, you're, you're, if the government starts giving out houses, you're not going to like what you get. Oh, God. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Glenn Lowry. By the way, can I just, I just have to say yeah. this has been talking about college and it, it, it really bothers me. Can we talk about why college is the way it is? And and I'm not we don't have to solve it right now, but the federal government has subsidized these crappy degrees. Like these are there because the federal government subsidizes all this crap. The student loan program has caused this problem. Yes. Yes. So like this is not a like, you know, when Bernie's gets up there and he's like, these universities, blah, 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 like guys. You caused the problem, which is why I think actually it wouldn't be bad if the entire system fell apart and the people who actually have something to teach and knowledge to impart that's useful, like people who can teach medicine or people who can teach engineering can form private universities. They don't have to call them universities. They can mostly be online. They'll be super cheap and we can go learn actual things and they'll cost the value that you get out of them. And if they don't, you won't pay them. And the government can stay the hell out like yeah. they should have in the first place. The, what the, percentage of people do you think actually need college degrees? Like Kevin Williamson thinks it's like five or 10%. Well, at what they're doing to kids degrees. now in college, I mean, I honestly, so I hired a lot of engineers for, I was a cryptographer for a while and hired engineers and we had, PhDs in cryptography. We had one of a, a famous Stanford person was on our board and a crypto guy. So he would send us all his PhDs when they got PhDs. We never hired one of them. The best, the best engineers, the best cryptographers were like guys who are, you know, got kicked out of high school for hacking and self-taught and yeah. did all this crap. And it was like, oh, you know, you look at their GitHub repository or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, you did that. You built that. And you'd, you'd bring them in for an interview and they would you know, code circles around other people. And it was like, oh, that's the guy I want for my company. He does the work. Not, I'm not saying that all PhDs are useless, but this, this worship of PhDs, even in tech fields is just yeah. kind of stupid. Are you even undergraduate? Do you need a, a, a degree from Ohio State to go sell insurance for Aflac? I don't think you do. <laughs> I think you just got to know a lot about what you're doing. A duck can sell that insurance. So. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Yeah, but to but Carter's they require point, it. If you look at them, it's like college degree, you know, pretty much standard. But but to Carter's point, the, the reason federal government subsidies is part of the reason why all these degrees cost the same amount of money. No bank, like a bank might lend you $60,000 after looking at your grades it, to get an engineering degree. Like they're right. not going to do that for you to study like, you know, some variety of sociology that qualifies you to work at McDonald's at the yeah. end of it. And, and, and they don't, no one talks you, you out of going from like Northwest Tech instead of Columbia or something. That's going to cost you like 80000 instead of 30000 and probably both are too much. Yeah, I just look, I'm also saying this is a guy who, you know, I'm older. I don't intend on ever going back to school, but I do like learning. And I'm just, I'm going to sing the praises of the internet for a minute. And I and I'm, I get that a lot of this stuff, some of it is subsidized by universities. So I'd be willing to pay for whatever it costs on the internet if I had to. But I've taken classes from MIT in nuclear engineering because I was interested in it. And like, they're free. Like, okay, fine. Maybe it would cost me something, but it wouldn't cost me what it takes to go to MIT. I'm not ever going to go use it. You've got that history podcast you just said. I haven't checked it out. But like, 
there's a lot of really good information and really smart people have put out online. Mm -hmm. And if I had to pay, like Tom, uh, Tom Woods has Liberty Classroom. There's a lot of great stuff in Liberty Classroom. It's, I don't know, a few hundred bucks a year. I mean, look, it, it's just, if, if you're right, a hundred percent. And, but I will say, if you have to go to school, go to a state school or city school and the one that you live in, don't pay out of state tuition. Like you don't need to dorm anybody who sells you on the college experience. Like, I, I hope you love it because you're going to be paying it off until you're 50. <laughs> right. So you're paying to party. I don't, and I don't know if you get the college experience anymore when like the first people are running to student affairs because there's a weird hookup or, you know, you get That's nailed fair. for an email about the trap house. Like this is crazy. You're not, you're yeah. not getting the same college experience now. And, and it is, you know, I regret a lot about, about where I chose to go to school because it was very expensive for me in terms of student loan debt and for my parents. Um, and it was out of state and it was private. And I was ultimately fell into a new religion there without realizing it. I went to study science and I came out uh, an indoctrinated social justice, like activist. Wow. Um, but, right. uh, I, I don't know. On the other hand, I don't know where also, I'm going with this. I think, well, I think I... you're right. Well, just quickly, I think you're right yeah, that yeah. people are not getting the same experience because they're living in a culture of self-censorship. And when I was there, like I've seen recent studies that say 60%, 50, 60% of college mm -hmm. students are afraid to say what they think because yep. they're afraid of their peers reporting them or thinking poorly of them. They're afraid to say what they really believe. Um, even though I was indoctrinated into social justice 20 years ago or whatever, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I had to go into the women's studies department to find it. It didn't find me in my science major. Right. But now, That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the only other thing I wanted to say just generally about colleges, there is a lot of there. Very few people are wanting to. Um, very few people are wanting to do manual labor, like skilled labor. And I know automation takes care of some of the need for that, but not always like not a lot of people want to be electricians or plumbers or like any of those. And those are important, necessary. And I, my guess is in a increasing demand uh, roles and they're not, you know, you do have to learn. You got to go to some kind of trade school usually or whatever. And um, you can make a really great living in career out of yeah. doing that. And you could leverage it into opening your own business and you, you could become quite successful without mm -hmm. ever going to learn, you know, let's say you're interested in electronics without ever going to learn electrical engineering in its full. You just go learn to be an electrician if that's what you want to do. And, you know, trade like, schools, they're great. Just, anecdotally, right now, we have this old new house. You guys may not know this, but Carter knows this. We're trying to renovate it. And, and we've had, I didn't realize this, but plumbing is so, it's in such high demand now that we literally have had three plumbers who just don't show up. Or talk about Southern time. I got to give them three months before I rebook yeah. someone else. But They're they going to get a posse stop. after you if you rebook someone else, Carrie. They and they don't even come and they don't care because they have they are swimming in business and they have so, and then I'll talk to someone like, I'll put you on the calendar two months out and then still not show up. And the one, the one who came out and they're known for, they their whole thing is we will show up. We will show up exorbitantly expensive because they'll show up. Yeah. So it's like, I just anecdotally, I was like, I should be a plumber. Like, I, could, I just set my own, pick what I want. 
it, it, you know, it's interesting. It's really interesting because, like, that is true. Like, trades, like plumbing, electrician, they make a really good living. They're also, like, more times than not, depending on where you are, really good union jobs. Like, you would mm -hmm. think that the left would be on this. But, like, they like they tend to look down on these jobs. Like, the, the people at Con Ed over here, like, especially when there's a storm, like, they'll pull in over $100 an hour. Like, yeah. you know, with double time and all that stuff in case of emergencies and all that. Like, yeah. these are good these are good, solid jobs. And I remember I was walking with uh, Devin Tracy recently, who atheism is unstoppable. And we saw people working with their hands, moving center blocks. And he was like, hey, just so you know, every time you think about the downside of your job, he's like, that's what men at work actually looks yeah. like. <laughs> like, we're just editing. So, like, I yeah. see that as a hypocrite, but those are great jobs. Well, the left don't like him because they don't get their hooks into indoctrination. You don't there's not you don't become an electrician's apprentice and they don't start on day one with let's talk about the role like gender like they don't that's not how it goes yeah right let's right. talk about wires and safety yeah let's, let's talk about the problematic elements of classifying cords as male or female yes exactly <laughs> I, I love that sean yes that's what they would do if they were in there well J J forget about talking about a main or a slave cable like, that's right. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. These are gender neutral cables. <laughs> and they've not been slaves um, in any way ever. That's right. My well, they did, you know, GitHub changed their master slave nomenclature. Yeah, what is um, it now? Uh, it's uh, Main shit, and I forget. I use it all the time. Or something? It's no, it's like I forget the name. I use it, but I don't even remember. I, yeah, I still think of it as master slave. We, this, it gets some problems with like they don't want you to use the word for like hospital in services anymore. So you tell equipment that you know would like read pressures from your brain, um, but then that piece would link up to that bedside monitor in the ICU, and that was called a slave cable or an output cable. It was called technically an output cable, but We'd always call it slave cables. That's what everyone called them. Like you plug the slave cable over here. You're not supposed to say it. And it's so dumb, but slave yeah, cable. you can't do it. Well, you can just take your oppression somewhere else, Brian. I know I'm oppressing. Sorry. It's my whiteness. All right, let's do some more super chats and then we can, it's late. So we can We'll wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah. Um, myth informed MKE. So Brian, I assume you have something to do with this one. Uh, <laughs> I think it says, must be somebody else on the team because I didn't do it. <laughs> it says Dave Chappelle argues that trans women are doing the equivalent of blackface for women. Can't wait to see you all in Fort Worth. <laughs> Sean number one. Oh, he signed it. Sean number one. Sean okay. number one. Oh, no, I'm Hi, crying. Sean. That'd be hilarious I if say, I you're Sean number two. while I was on the thing. That's that's <laughs> interesting. Uh, Super Iron Bob says, as a person with a reading writing disability, they them pronouns destroy comprehension. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, Abdi Muhammad says the na that Native American kid might have wounded his his new. I don't know what new is. If he had wounded focused, knee. wounded oh. knee. It could be a joke on the eighteen ninety wounded knee. Oh, okay. Might have wounded his knee if he was forced to go on a trail of tears because of that incident. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, wounded. Yeah, okay. That's that sounds like Sean number two. That is one, a pun. One, 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 that, Thank, yeah, that sounds like came from Sean Fitzgerald. Thank you, Abdi. Uh, he, he definitely came from my audience. <laughs> a it's a dark pun. Oh, he. Oh, you know it is definitely him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it also just sounds like something that you would do and say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just attributing it to you because it was a pun. Matt Deckard says so. Holding a trap house party with people distressed as Admiral Akbar or dressed as Admiral Akbar is bad form. Yes, it is. It's a trap. 
It's a trap party. <laughs> we should totally hold an it's a trap party. That's great. That's great. <laughs> uh, Find a City Cycling says, Glenn Lowry discussed a somewhat unconventional take on redlining recently. Highly recommended. Hmm. Cool. I've never seen I it. like Lowry. He's awesome. I do too. And the last can one. Can I read oh. this one out of yeah, one? Yeah, you Tweet can read it. It's sweet. Gives $50. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Oh, Canadian dollars. That's even more, oh, right? Wow. And it says, a little gift for Carter and wife. What oh, a blessing. You. All the best. Thanks, Aww. sweet girl. Thank you, sweet girl. That's super sweet. Uh, Sean, you know, I don't know if you know, but he's due any day. Any day now. He's not even not, showing. That's amazing. Not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, men can have babies. There's now. a pregnant person in the house, and you'll Correct. just, I don't want to specify the gender, so you'll just we'll figure out. Do you plan to breastfeed, Carter? <laughs> I'm going to try. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Congratulations, though. Seriously. Oh, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. I the We have a huge knitting community, and on, I think it was this past Saturday, I got on the knitting chat, and because they, they sent me, a, they sent us, our family, this huge box of, like, all this knitted cool stuff for the babies so and some for my uh daughter and wife and me as well but um yeah it was cool we like i got to see all the knitters apparently they get together often and they just hang out and yeah. knit and they even started their own separate uh we have our unsafe space book club which by the way last plug october 24th we're doing texit but they started their own separate knitting unsafe space book club <laughs> <laughs> they're just like reading yeah. different. Like, Screw you. We're, we yeah. have knitting books we have to read. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, all right. So I, we got through the Super Chats. That's it. Um, and it's been a long show. So I feel like yes. we should let our guests go. Um, but thank, thank you both you for coming. And one last time, where can they both see all three of you very soon? Uh, Better Discourse 3, November 6th, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, do come to that. Let's see if Sean sent me the absolute piece at the Ridge Lay Theater in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and All November right. 6th. Yeah, cool. So, All right. Well, thanks. Thanks to hell with Antifa and those people. We're, we're secure. Cool. It's Texas. So you might have a little bit more protection. We'll see. I, yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, have a good weekend, everyone. And we will, uh, We'll be back on Monday. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bye, Thanks for the invite. Everyone Bye. wave. Okay. Bye. Well. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and scheduled for ideological vaccination. 
To avoid cancellation, please update your ideological contact tracing app on your smart device immediately. Here's a fun fact. Only vaccinated black lives matter. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.